0: Welcome to this episode of the Hagman and Hagman Report, coming to you live from our radio and television studios here in beautiful northwest Pennsylvania. Man, I'll tell you, it's, uh, what a day, what a night, it, everything blends together. Folks, um, we did cover, or we were present and accounted for, uh, at 3 a.m. and then 4 a.m. for the WikiLeaks, um, non-announcement, I'm sure everyone's heard by now, um, did you ever feel punked? Well, you know, maybe as, as we were talking and looking at this at 4:30 this morning, um, we kind of trace back trace back the uh the how this was billed. That's I'm referring to the WikiLeaks announcement Julian Assange and I know that uh uh concurrent with with our monitoring of this uh, uh Alex Jones was live at the uh, four a m Eastern, five A.M. Eastern, and uh on to, on to about five thirty Eastern time and uh, you know, he was uh he was pretty upset. He was pretty upset. But but as we trace back the the um, promotion of this of the Julian Assange press conference WikiLeaks you know, we came to the conclusion that it was the media who hyped the announcement. I don't think Assange said anything was going to be devastatingly dropped during that press conference. I could be wrong, but that was my take on it. And, uh, you know, after, after several hours of, of analysis with the WikiLeaks, you get kind of, um, your eyes start to glaze over, your ears start to hear things. You know, it just it's just one of those things where my goodness, it uh you know, who knows? However, uh WikiLeaks came it came out uh at four o'clock this morning, five uh it was supposed to be three, but it's actually four. And uh celebrated their tenth anniversary. That's about uh what it was no major announcements other than the the fact that they would keep uh, the document flow going through the end of the year, and and that's the long and short of it, so we didn't have anything to report, why bother you with no news, right, that's kind of how we feel, but welcome to this episode of the Hagman and Hagman Report, I'm Doug Hagman, senior host of the Hagman and Hagman Report, my son fellow investigator. Uh, researcher Joe Hagman together something I like to call America's premier father-son investigative reporting team right here on the Global Star Radio Network that's the place to be the Global Star Radio Network is the place to be for your news information and uh, we're also simulcast of course on Blog Talk Radio BTR as well as YouTube Live, that's where you're watching us right now. YouTube Live. And I want to thank each and every one of you for your belief and your trust in us as we walk through this minefield of current events together, and it is a minefield. We're watching a number of things um, before we get into the um, the, uh, the 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 program itself. I do want to mention that uh, tonight's broadcast brought to you by Hello Fresh. Oh my goodness, we have got the best—and I mean the best—meal delivery service, bar none, through HelloFresh. Folks, go to HelloFresh.com and use our promo code Hagman for thirty-five dollars off your first week of deliveries. What this is, folks, is it's a meal delivery service. They deliver the ingredients in a refrigerated box or in a uh, insulated box. uh, right to your door. Your meals are planned out for the week. It's really great. It's a great service. That's HelloFresh.com. More on that later. But, uh, but Joe, you know, we've got a hurricane bearing down on us. we got the VP debate tonight. We've got, uh, polls. And, and you know something? What do you think about these polls? The, uh, uh, the Clinton Trump tied again going forward this way, that way. Oh, no. I think a lot of this is merely, um, head games, thoughts,
2: impressions. No, I would,
0: um, absolutely. I would agree, uh,
3: especially with the polls. There's no way that so many Americans, you know, have changed their mind over the last month, month and a half. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we, we cover this a lot going back to this, the, uh, one one thing that's talked about in the news a lot is the enthusiasm level of Trump supporters versus that of Hillary Clinton supporters, where Trump has a very high uh, level of enthusiasm. People will, uh, by the thousands, Stammon. go to his rallies, stand outside for hours right. waiting to get yep. in, while you can't even have Hillary Clinton fill high school gymnasiums to capacity for her rallies uh, that she's able to um, you know, hobble yep. out to. And you have uh, what we see in the media, just this huge media uh, bias and spin against Donald Trump and the protection of Hillary Clinton, which again is continuing. There's been some updates today. Um, Obama's Department of Justice has dropped charges against the alleged provider of Libyan weapons, an arms dealer that had threatened to expose Hillary Clinton, uh, who Armed anti Gaddafi rebels at her demand has been That's yeah, nice. Has had his charges dismissed by the Obama administration, um uh, because of what embarrassing information could have come and been cast on Hillary Clinton. Uh it, it's just um you know this whole and trying to pay attention to each and every uh you know story that is going on pertaining to the election, it just gets more and more ridiculous you know you see this uh we talked about this yesterday the tax situation the information that was released about Donald Trump's taxes yeah uh, all these you know news and media outlets are reporting it as if he did something illegal when in fact um, all of what he did was you know legal it was just a appears as though he he lost about close to a billion dollars, and you know Hillary Clinton was um taking him to task for that, but I've seen some good rebuttals today where they're asking you know how did jamie Dimon, um you know friend of hillary clinton goldman sachs c e o lose six point two billion dollars in a year um somebody's right. you know given her money and and she's aligned herself
0: with um well taking it back to her comments but the polls yeah the the polls uh, in, in, uh, let me just say this I, after this uh whatever this was this morning i, I left uh, of course i got to the studio with with the lady the studio dog who was really kind of irritated that you know looked at me like wait, wait, really gotta, gotta, gotta go to work anyway afterwards I, I took her for a walk and uh uh, you mentioned about the pools, but one thing that, I, when I, when I took her for a walk, I actually took her, took her for a long walk and I noticed something in our, now I've lived in the same area for 20 years. All right. So upon leaving, going home and, and, uh, walking through the neighborhood, houses that I've never seen ever, ever, ever express any political, anything political with a sign. Trump Pence, Trump pens, Trump pen signs. So I took them all and ran. <laughs> no, I'm, just, I'm just, I, no, I didn't do that. Um, uh, yeah, I, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah Running's it, the funny uh, part of that. Yeah. yeah. So it's uh, all right, all right, Eric. <laughs> did did y'all you, you hear that? You, uh, uh, I said, yeah. I t- you know. I, I grabbed the uh, Trump pen signs and ran. And then Eric said, you mean you ran? And then Joe, of course, said, yeah. Running is a fun, funny part of that. Well. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, which which is true, of course. Um, no, I, it's true that I would run if I'm running. Believe me, something really bad is happening from what I'm running from because I don't run. All right, I, I choose not to. See, it's not that I don't; I just choose not to. You get to a certain age, you just decide, Nah, I ain't running. If I have to run, then something like I said, something really bad's happening. And, and the way I look at it too is, if you and I are in a situation, I just have to outrun you. Okay. And, um, yeah, Mr. Legs over there, he's got legs like, you know, sticks. Like he's a, a, what are those, not grasshoppers, but, you know. Anyway. (laughs) All right, Eric, you and I. All right. It's a good thing you're not mic'd up. Anyway. we got a, a, a great show Um for everyone
3: tonight. We're going to get into some news and current events in this first hour. Then we have two separate guests coming on. We do. Um, we have Dr. Michael Spalding, who will be coming on in hour number two. He's a new guest, a first-time guest to the show, and he is an author, a speaker, a radio show host, and... um he has the Soaring Eagle Radio uh, that he does, and his blog drmikespalding.com. If you're watching this live on YouTube, underneath uh, in the show description are the links to his uh, podcast and his website. Yeah. And then in the third hour, Standeo will be joining us as he does each and every Tuesday uh, to talk about his latest scientific findings. Um, yes. So it's going to be a, a uh, good show. And then tomorrow, uh, Brandon House,
0: Thursday, Paul McGuire, yeah. and Friday, Dan Goodwin. If I can take a moment here, folks, we've got a brand new sponsor, um, as well. It's, it's Wink, W-I-N-C. Just to let you know, you know, our, our, welcome, Wink, W-I-N-C. Welcome. Welcome to the Hagman and Hagman Report. I don't know how you folks are, but, but, um, uh, I know I get easily intimidated if, if I'm going to go pick out a wine for dinner. In, in uh, the Hagman household, we like to celebrate. Uh, we like to we like to have gatherings where we'll have the family together. We'll have a sit down meal. Boy, it seems like it's a long you know that's long gone, um, but. Places like Hello Fresh, they they provide us with the delivery service for, with meals, but we like to sit down and and gather together whether it's on a, a Sunday or a Saturday and just talk, you know, and and just get to know one another. And it's nice because we can we can sit down and have a nice glass of wine with our dinner. Um, and I found myself going into the the wine aisle and being very intimidated by the wine choices i I said all that to say this. I was at a neighbor's home uh who's become a really good friend, and he had a couple of bottles of wine in a in this really nice beautiful box and i said you know how how do you pick out how do you pick it out and he told me about this company called wink w i n c so the long and short of it is i i chased this chased it down I looked at this wine uh club. And I thought, man, what a great idea. So welcome to the Hagman Family Wink, W-A-N-C. Folks, go to trywink.com slash Hagman. That's trywink.com slash Hagman for $20 off right now of your uh, first purchase. Now, again, uh, celebrating a dinner, talking with one another, that's kind of gone by the wayside. But we gather together again here at the Hagman household and that involves our extended family of Eric the tech my daughter Jackie we sit you know we sit together we break bread and have a nice glass of wine well now through trywink.com you can have the same ability and and how great is that so trywink.com/hagman want to welcome you to the Hagman and Hagman family what a great company that's trywink dot com that's W I N C triwink.com slash Hagman. So welcome to the Hagman and the Hagman family. But yes, Joe, you know we're talking, you know, um and this is something we do talk about over dinners. We we talk about the news, we talk about current events, we talk about uh things that are affecting us and it seems like there's does it seem to you and, and Eric you can chime in too if you're if you want to, but and folks, does it seem to you like we are kind of at the Fourth quarter of things. I mean,
3: we're definitely in the fourth quarter of this 2016 election cycle, thankfully. Um, I mean, it, th- th- does it feel, you know, is there it, are concerns with the, it's got a um, different feel to it though, doesn't it? To global economy. And you're not the first person that said any that said, I've heard other people talk about that and even just today. Um, from the instability with foreign relations with Russia and China, yeah. the economic instability we see globally. Uh There's an actual new report out today, folks. You can go to HagmanReport.com and read about the um, backlash to world economic order, Cloud's Outlook at IMF, and they talk how the global economic growth has been grinding to a halt. Um That's going to be the topic at the 2016 annual IMF and World Bank group meeting, and they're saying despite, you know, lots of central bank intervention, global growth is, uh, is very dismal and almost non-existent, and they are uh, looking for uh, ways to change policies inside these central banks to uh, increase and turn around the global economy to increase growth. Hmm. But, you know, wow. unemployment's at 5%, and, you know, sure. we've seen, you know, this is six years in a row. We've seen Obama, you know, <clears throat> increase the value of the economy and jobs and all the, uh, rainbows and roses, um, that we hear from the talking heads about the economy. You wouldn't see or think that it's in as bad a state as it is. And it's not just here in the U.S., it's also internationally. Uh, Deutsche Bank has had serious concerns as of late. Um and we're gonna be uh talking with a few economists in the uh next upcoming uh, next Tuesday I believe and right. and we're waiting to uh set a date for another gentleman who's gonna be coming on to talk about this. But yeah, there's a lot going on and um you know, son there is something strange that I saw that's out of the usual. Um the earthquake warnings and this is something I wanna talk to Stan about. If you live in Southern California you yes. might have received earthquake, uh, unusual earthquake warnings. Unusual earthquake warnings prompt action anxiety in Southern California. We got a lot of emails on that. San Bernardino actually shut down their city hall. And uh, the LA Times is reporting that Southern California learns to live with the risk of earthquakes, but over the last week anxieties have been particularly heightened, and the natural denial that is part of living in an earthquake country was harder to pull off. A swarm of seismic activity... In uh, the Salton Sea that began a week ago prompted scientists to say that there is an elevated risk for a big San Andreas Fault earthquake by Tuesday. That risk had lessened, they said. But um, they sent out a mass alert, you know, telling people to be... uh prepared for, you know, a possibly a 7.0 earthquake in the San Andreas
0: fault line region. But but you know, I remember and folks, do you remember if you're my age, um early 70s, late 60s, oh, you know, the the tabloids California is going to have the big one, it's going to fall mm-hmm. in the ocean and and I remember my mom talking about this, uh, you know, even when I was just young. Uh, in the sixties, talking about, oh, the big one's coming. And California being, uh, being the, um, at the epicenter. But, but now it's, it's, it seems like what you said. My goodness. Closing the, uh, government buildings. <laughs> All right. I don't know. So, yeah, Stan's going to, we're going to talk to Stan about this. And Guccifer, did you, and folks, I don't know how many people saw this, but. Some people are saying this is a hoax. You know, yeah. I've read, you know,
3: he hacked apparently the Clinton Foundation. Right. And uh, if it is not a hoax, it is very telling as there are a file, there's a file there, pay to play. There's also information about the TARP bailouts and where the
0: money went. Yes. Um, I don't know if you saw that. Yep. Yep. Um, well, what, what we've done, j- just so people know, and, and I don't believe this to be a hoax, but, but just so people understand how we operate here, and this is through your support who's, who, that we're able to do this. We've gone in and downloaded all of the, everything that's been offered under the Gucci for 2.0 hack, whether they're zip files or just database files or Excel files. We, we have them stored on, um, uh, uh, hard drives okay so at least we have them captured they're offline and captured and and we're adding to that as 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 much as we can but we are going through in fact uh, my daughter Jackie is going to be going through a lot of this data this week uh, to see what I mean to pour through this data and and to, to assess where you know what's going on but I mean some of the big names here um, and the amount of tarp funds as you mentioned Barney Frank Bank of America uh, Goldman Sachs JP Morgan Merrill Lynch my goodness it just goes on and on and on the master spreadsheet of PAC contributions if, if this is for real and I believe it to be for real what do you say about this I, I mean what Joe, wait.
3: you mean the contributions from the banks who received the TARP money that they made to yes. the Democratic uh, I mean,
0: uh, this, parties?
3: If it's real, I mean, which uh, I don't uh, see any reason why it's not real uh, as of yet, but the...
0: Follow the money indeed. I mean, as, well, you and I, as, we, as, as we were investigators, that was the thing. You know, when <clears throat> whenever we reached an impasse with a case... Um, or even before that, it was always follow the money. We had to follow the money because money is like the big motivator, and um, and a lot of people just as an just kind of as an aside, it's funny to me. I look at people who the the more broke you are, a person is not you, but a person. the The more broke a person is, the more that person thinks about money and i understand that i understand that mindset because uh, the stress is not being able to pay your mortgage on time or, or your rent on time stress is being you know being faced with all sorts of bills um so sometimes people do things now this is not the stress do things uh, illegal, but this is not the stress of uh, of not being able to pay your bills. What I'm looking at here is greed, man. You're talking billions of dollars,
3: you know, per bank. Um, and Russia today has an article on this: hacked Clinton Foundation files show pay to play uh, yep. and bank ties. Documents reportedly hacked from the Clinton Foundation servers have identified major Democratic donors and troubling ties between TARP aid given to banks and their political contribution. One folder is outright labeled pay-to-play. Exactly. Gucci for 2.0, who claimed responsibility for previous breaches of the DNC and the uh, Congressional Democrats, published documents on Tuesday afternoon ahead of the vice presidential debates. I hacked the Clinton Foundation server and downloaded hundreds of thousands of docs, and donors' databases. The hacker wrote on his blog, "Clinton and her, and her staff don't even bother about the information security." The, there's, the, and, and I Clinton
0: understand Foundation that. Clinton Foundation
3: denied I, the I, hack, I, uh, and a Donna Shalala, <laughs> who is Shalala. Uh, yeah. president of the Clinton Foundation, says no evidence of a Gutfreund hack at Clinton Foundation. No notification by law enforcement, and none of the files or folders of, are, that are shown are ours. Now, interestingly enough, the co-author of the TARP bill, um, Barney Frank, there is a, um, he's the co-author of Dodd-Frank, Wall Street Reform and Consumer yeah. Protection Act of tw- 2010. You all know Barney they Frank. They show right? a, uh asset relief program, the TARP asset was the Troubled Asset Relief Program, and its relationship to the DNC citing a spreadsheet that lists TARP amounts next to amounts donated to lawmakers like then-Representative Barney Frank. Yep. Now, you all remember when uh, the head of the Federal Reserve, um, the bald guy, what was his name? Bernanke. Bernanke. Helicopter was Was asked where the TARP money went to. Mm-hmm. He said hundreds and hundreds of banks. Uh you know, the money was But he refused to pay. And specific. they said, Yeah, can you tell us which ones? And he said, No. Nope. Well, if you look at the list and you look at the amounts, it is unbelievable. I mean, I see Bank of America one, two, three, four times yep. with the amounts of fifteen billion Fifteen billion, fifteen billion.
0: I mean, that's insanity. But but, but see, when you dig deeper, and, and this is, and, I, and there's so much more here. Yeah, you've got to dig a little bit deeper because this is not just relegated to the, de- the democratic side of things, folks. You've got to understand. The Gang of Eight, for example, uh, then and now, the the Congress, men and women, people, the lawmakers, the elected officials, they all have their hands dirty and, and this is why and i truly believe this is why that that uh, uh you've got committees that are useless you've got you know the the house uh select committee on benghazi and, and other uh, uh other investigative bodies in within congress you have they go through the motions but is anyone indicted no well, why not? Anyone of substance or significance indicted? No, because things like this, the uh, the money that went from earth via tarp enriched both Republicans and Democrats. I'm alleging here that they all have their hands dirty. they're all they've all been paid off. So imagine you, it would be like a, like a. And if you look at the list
3: of congressmen and senators and house and those in the house and senate, and you look at their net worth when they go into office versus um, at any time that they're in office and when they get out, most of these people, you know, um, increase their net worth 10, 20, 50 fold during their time in office. We know insider trading laws are non existent when it comes to congressional. Officials, so they're allowed to get away with insider trading, but the money that they make from uh, lobbying firms, whether it's whatever industry it could be, you know, the pharmaceutical industry lobbying to get a certain bill passed, they will pay off, you know, these lawmakers, you know, millions of dollars to get their way on on specific votes. I mean, it's basically open bribes, and and these this is how these people work. They work from. Uh, the perception of, of increasing net worth and greed and expect to be paid for their influence.
0: Yeah. Influence peddling. Isn't that... It, 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 but what are we going to do about it? What are we going to do about it? We need to sharpen the pitchforks, don't we? I mean, are, are we going to just sit around and talk about this or are we going to actually do something about it? That's what this election cycle is. But it's going to be more than that. It's got to be more than that. We've got to go out and not only inform our neighbors, family and friends, but we've got to inspire them to act. How do we act? Well, legally, you know, but look, we need to go out there and we need to enact change, ensure change. Saddle for battle, folks. We're going to be right back right after this. Hagman and Hagman Report right here folks we've got uh, two websites HagmanReport.com you know after the after the the 4am uh, press conference that uh, we were looking at I, I went to the website and it was messed up so J.D. took care of that thank you and, and Simon from Nitro House God bless you both um, that's HagmanReport.com for news and information well, that was frustrating you know uh, who do you, who do you who do you complain to at, at five a.m. Uh, I got JD out of bed. Actually, he wasn't in bed, but I got him on the phone. Anyway, uh, HagmanReport.com—that's our website. And for show is uh, for the for the show is Hagman and Hagman.com. Two different websites, and of course. Uh, social networking: uh, Facebook, Hagman Report, and also Twitter at Hagman Report. Folks, I mentioned earlier, you know, having dinner, especially, especially in these times that in which we live, having dinner together, family dinner, oh, it's so important to me. It's important at the Hagman household. But let me tell you, if you are a professional, or if you just like to, if you don't, if you dislike shopping, save save the time and trouble. HelloFresh is a meal kit delivery service that makes shopping. You don't need to go shopping; they deliver the ingredients for wonderful great meals right to your door it's so easy and co- so convenient and that hello fresh they want to change the way people eat forever they believe that everyone deserves honest great food natural delicious healthy food they celebrate fresh ingredients and and so we can make magic in the kitchen um the, 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 folks there's a chef in all of us really whether you're a busy professional couple, a large family that runs at a breakneck pace, or someone who just simply wants to start cooking more, HelloFresh makes it much easier, tastier, and healthier than ever to enjoy the experience of cooking new recipes and eating together at home. That's what I would really want to drive home in, in, in this is do this together as a family, as a couple. My goodness. HelloFresh is our go-to meal delivery service folks they offer right now they currently offer customers a classic box or a veggie box if you're a vegetarian and they're going to be soon be launching a family box customers can order 3 4 or 5 different meals per week designed for either 2 or 4 people new recipes are created every week it's never boring folks Again, HelloFresh is the meal kit delivery service that makes cooking fun, easy, and convenient. And each week, HelloFresh creates new delicious recipes with step-by-step instructions designed to take around oh a half hour for everyone from novices to seasoned home cooks. Uh, home cooks who are short on time, goodness knows we are. And this fits right in. This is a perfect fit for all of us here at the Hagman household and at the studio. In fact, they even employ a full-time registered dietitian on staff who reviews each recipe to ensure it's nutritionally balanced. And I've had no problems me having, um, well, you know, I have to watch my sugar intake being a type two diabetic. So, but no problems whatsoever. All the meals are balanced and the best of all, this is my favorite. The meals are delivered right to your doorstep in a special insulated box for free. That's right. But, but here's the greatest of all our listeners right now, folks, you can go to hellofresh.com and start your meal service right now and get $35 off your first week of deliveries. You go to hellofresh.com and enter hagman h a g m a n n when you subscribe. Again, $35 off your first week of deliveries. Visit hellofresh.com, enter hagman. That's hellofresh.com. Enter the promo code hagman for $35 off. Let me let me just tell you, it's a great service. At an even better price, quality ingredients, great time, and, and you're going to thank us for that family time. It's fun to cook. Uh, I, I like to I like to hang out in the kitchen with my wife, and uh, uh, you know it's just it's just so much fun to to do things together. And folks, that's so important right now. We have to, and I believe this. We have to start doing more together as family, and as that 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 nuclear family, right? I mean nuclear family. Isn't that what it's all about? Especially as times get tough, as headlines get dire, um, let's get together as, as families. And Joe, you and I were talking before the show about the importance of being on the same page as families. You know, must be. And being united, having a united front. And, and we're going to be torn apart. And are we not being torn apart by the headlines? Are we not being torn apart by these social, moral issues? Isn't that what these uh, Luciferian elites want? I think it is. Mm-hmm. And we have to fight back, push back against that, don't we? We can't have any of this. We We have to be unified as families and as neighbors. And that's the only way we're going to win. But anyway, looking at all of this, uh, uh, the headlines, you know, the Clinton you Foundation the, hack. The,
3: go ahead. Yeah, we we talked about the Clinton Foundation hack, and you mentioned the uh, Hurricane Matthew. Yes. some quick updates Bearing on this. down. My goodness. Uh, East Coast preps for Hurricane Matthew, evacuations uh, and damage. There's even been reports of looting as people are raiding convenience and grocery stores as states of emergency have been declared not only in Florida and Georgia but uh South Carolina uh has declared a state of emergency uh North Carolina apparently um, there's a few more that have been added to the list here and they say this is the strongest hurricane in a decade yep yep um it's already ripped through parts of Haiti uh leaving a path of destruction and some deaths in the Caribbean Now, South Carolina's governor says she would issue an evacuation order Wednesday so that one million people would have time to leave the coast ahead of Hurricane Matthew. Residents up and down the eastern seaboard um, are uh, flocking to hardware stores, grocery aisles, and gas stations to prepare for the powerful storm.
0: Stop right there. Don't you think this is a lesson, folks? Is now the time to be shopping for your prep items? uh, uh, the, see the, when the this, this storm is, is
3: approaching yeah. and things are are going to get bad, you're facing potential evacuation orders. My goodness! And oh, you instead of you know, know bo- boarding up your windows and and trying to keep you know uh, prep- make preparations to keep floodwaters out, you're busy
0: running around trying to get basic yep. items that you would. And, and just need to survive. This is, and I'm not, I'm not selling anything here. I'm not promoting anything. I'm just, aside from the idea of, of being prepared, when we talk about preparations, and this is why I, my mind, sometimes my brain wants to just explode when I hear people saying, well, uh, you know, you're just, uh, you, you're just, you're just, it's all fear. You're just trying to sell food. You're trying to sell survival equipment. I, Wait a minute. Look, we've got a hurricane bearing down on our butts in southern Florida and in Florida and South Carolina and the east Coast. My goodness we need we need to prepare and and my and I would pray that our listeners in in Florida and south carolina and and anywhere in the path of the storm have have prepared for this so they can not be caught up in the store runs. Not be out there in you know where everyone else is and uh, and I feel very strongly about this those individuals out there who write and who can uh or on the mic behind the microphones who condemn those of us who urge preparations I'm sorry but but to me uh you are nothing but contemptible people. How dare you? How dare you? That to, to me, that, that's the worst of the worst. These people, for example, I mean, I hope and I pray that these people have uh, our listeners. I know our listeners have have prepared, but but for it's people like yourselves who are out there criticizing under the banner of Christianity. Under the banner of, hey, I don't sell fear porn, in my view, in my personal opinion, the blood, if any, is spilled from this or other disasters is on your hands. So how dare you? That's just my two cents for what it's worth. Maybe it's only worth two cents. Um hmm. uh. Go ahead. Trying to get my, my browser but, back up. Here. But Yes, we, we have to watch that. Um, but the, the Clinton Foundation, and I, and I and I contend this. I just want to go back to this because I, I do contend that the Clinton Foundation, the nucleus that represents the Clinton Foundation, to me, it, everything around that Clinton Foundation is, in my personal opinion, is, criminal in nature the money coming in the money going out the money staying where it is the pay to play aspects and i think once we get into that not only are we going to show the criminality of the clinton cabal but the criminality of others associated at its periphery as well as the benefactors both elected officials and uh, others private individuals who are who who are the recipients of money, and of course, pay to play means it's a quid pro quo with the Clintons and she she used in my view anyway, she used her position as Secretary of State to enrich for for personal enrichment and the enrichment of her friends as well as sharing that enrichment with other lawmakers and congress people so folks, this is at the epicenter of the corruption, the Clinton cabal. Uh, of corruption is the Clinton foundation and you know it it saddens me that this was not made a, a greater issue during the debates it's not i mean the the moral decadence of bill clinton uh, or the immorality of bill clinton is one thing but the real issue here i in my view is of course the criminality of the Clintons, the Clinton Foundation. That's that's where the that's where the smoking gun is is exists. That's my personal opinion. Some
3: uh, other election news. There's two stories I wanted to hit. One about Ohio. One about Pennsylvania. Yes. First one about Ohio is from PJ Media. As Hillary abandons Ohio, media says Ohio is too white and uneducated anyway. Hillary Clinton made two stops in the state of Ohio Monday visiting usual Democratic strongholds in Akron and Toledo. Too white. Right? Yes, however, this is our first thought. not racist. In the Buckeye State since before Labor Day, and media coverage over the past few days has hinted that Clinton may be writing off the longtime political bellwether state. Notably, left-leaning media appears to be treating the development as sour grapes. On Monday, one article appeared in the Time magazine, one was published by AP, uh, both dismissing Hillary's need for Ohio and her campaign's electoral college calculus. Things have changed, apparently. And they go on to say how the uh, Clinton campaign does not need the state of Ohio to win the uh, path to the electoral college victory. And over the week the New York Times declared that Ohio is now, of course, too white and uneducated to be considered a bellwether state anymore. They tweeted the following, Ohio, like a melting iceberg, has slowly been losing its status as the country's bellwether. And it goes on to talk about, uh, it's a jarring change for Ohio's political veterans, but have long relished their state at the center of the country's presidential uh, debate. Every four years, the fall would bring frequent candidate visits, careless television commercials, and breathless uh, county-by-county tallies of voting returns. Late into election night, Democrats in the state became used to uh, rock concert-style rallies like the one John Kerry staged in Cleveland and Columbus with Bruce Springsteen in 2004. And President Obama held a uh, re, uh, 2012 re reelection campaign in Ohio and held five events there in September of 2012 alone. But they go on to say, the New York Times went on to say that... um Mr. Uh, Trump's unyielding anti-trade campaign and Mrs. Clinton's difficulty of energizing Ohio's young voters have made it a lesser focus for Democrats this year, even even as it remains critical to Mr. Trump's path to the White House. Uh, Mrs. Clinton aides privately note the demographic makeup of Florida, Colorado, North Carolina, which have a greater percentage of educated or non-white voters makes these states more promising for Democrats in contests in which the electorate is sorted along bright racial and economic lines. Well, there it is. And in in terms of...
0: uh, but, But that's... But that whole... See... This, what's at the core of this? It's 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 a ra- it's racism, mm-hmm. but it's not white racism. It's racism, period, and it's racism and accusations of racism against the Caucasians, against American white Americans, by the blacks, but by the other than whites. I, I don't know how else to put this. Somebody's going to say, "Well, that's offensive." I mean, somebody's going to be offended. You know, within this snowflake, limp-wristed, uh, <laughs> eunuch, uh, castrated, uh, generation. But, but, I'm sorry. This, we got something that'll really make them cry after, uh, you know. There's a,
3: a new speech guide that came out. was published yes, by a university yes. that we can get into if you really want to
0: well, trigger some but, emotions. But it, it kind of t- to uh, sandwich between the Ohio and Pennsylvania sto- stories here, I want to just toss this out because when we're talking about race, there's a record of 42.4 million immigrants, 23% of school children. The biggest jump is mm-hmm. the Islamic component. You know, if you take a look at the statistics from just right before 2001, you, we'll say in the year 2000, and, and you look at the, the, um, uh, the immigrants in, in the United States, and you look at what the immigrants are today, well, guess what? We're losing on the numbers. When I say losing, we have the biggest, the largest increase of Islamic infiltration. That word, in this case, meaning to infiltrate, um infusion. Into our, our school systems and, and into our society than ever before. You're looking at 42.4 million immigrants in this country, 23% of school children, uh, representing a jump uh, of Muslims in in our in our school system. Think about that, in connection with the demographics, as Joe spoke about in Ohio, and uh, you know Ohio's too white. Well. What does that even mean? Ohio's too white. The Midwest is too white. Come on. Um, that, that by itself is racist. And just to add one more thing, in addition to that, what we're seeing combined with this immigration is this increase in animosity by Black Lives Matter and other Black Panthers and the Nation of Islam, which you don't hear much about anymore. Against the police, against the white population in America. Just keep that in mind. Go ahead and go to the next. uh,
3: Well, there's a um, a few interesting articles from a website called The College Fix. One, Columbia University to host no white allowed student leadership retreat. Students of color at Columbia University can apply to attend an upcoming racially segregated retreat hosted by the school that promises to embolden and empower participants. According to organizers, the Student of Color Leadership Retreat 2016 is open to students within the Columbia University undergraduate community, including its all-women's Bernard College, slated for the weekend of November 12th at the Green Kill Retreat Center in New York YMCA Camp. It's billed as an intensive weekend of personal development, empowerment, and community-building for student leaders at Bernard and Columbia who identify as African-American, black, Latino, Hispanic, Asian, Asian-American, Pacific Islander, Arab, Middle Eastern, native uh, okay. or indigenous, and multicultural, multiracial. So except you just can't be white. That's um, right. Yeah, in order to not. attend. And uh, the College Fix has another interesting article. University distributes seven-page speech guide 35 dumb things well-intended people say <coughs> list passed out at James Madison University to student orientation leaders. Now, this is the stuff they say you should not say. Oh, uh, yeah, but buckle your seatbelts for this. Love the sin, hate the sin. Love the sinner, hate the sin. We are all part of the human race. Uh, you you are very pretty. <laughs> you have a very pretty face. I never own slaves. You should never say that according to this publication uh, and it goes on i mean <sighs> you are so articulate is apparently very offensive um well this is this just shows
0: you the, the level
3: of when white men say we are oh, the ones being discriminated discriminated against now this is on the list of 35 things you should never say yeah uh, and it yeah, go- of course I mean, it's ridiculous the same thing it's has ridiculous. happened to me too <laughs> and that's on the list. And what this is, uh, just to clarify, um, they go on to, uh, this is from Dr. Maria Collins' book, 35 Dumb Things Well-Informed People Say. Surprising things we say to widen the diversity gap. The list also classifies some comp- uh, compliments and encouraging words. Such as calling someone cute or saying, I know exactly how you feel as a no-no. Many yeah, of the you know, dumb the, statements... I call
0: BS on this. ...are I perpetuated
3: really uh, and also pertain to race. And they go on to say that... um you know, we're all part of the same human race. Is advi- you advise against saying that? No. After you, each you, phrase is uh, the explanation is why we are. you
0: should avoid saying these expressions. Well, I, I'm never one to to uh, bow down to this political correctness crap. I, I really believe it's a bunch of crap. Uh, I mean, I know exactly how you feel. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> well, you're you're cute. Um, gee whiz you got a purdy never mind no I never I, own uh, slaves yeah see this is exa- i mean you talk about the Tavistock Institute understand how we are being gained folks the Tavistock Institute is at the heart of all of this and this and, and when when you look at look at how this nation america in the west but specifically america has been um has been wissified over the last eight years. You've got uh, allegedly this, well, I shouldn't say allegedly. You've got a, a, people believe you've got a black president. You've got a predominantly Arab president in the white house at least peter the president anyway all right i'm, I'm not so convinced he, he's eligible to be the president based on his background but that said let's just assume for a moment that obama satoro whatever his name is in there in the white house eight years you have eight years of this uh touchy feely politically correct run amuck crap and by by authors such as this idiot and yes, I say idiot. This is my personal opinion because that's not on the list. Well, I'm going to tell you something. All right, this is in my view. This is what is wrong with this country. Get off of. Quit being a victim. Everyone out there believes that they're victims. Oh my gosh, my feelings are hurt. I'm going to sue you. My feelings have been hurt. You hurt my feelings. It's this or or I'm going to file a complaint against you because you hurt my feelings. Oh, get over yourself, will you? I mean seriously, we have real problems here. In my view, we've got uh, uh, we, we've got we're being overtaken. We're being taken over from within, as I mentioned earlier. You've got, and and this is all part of it because at forty two point four million immigrants being thrust into our country 23% or 10.9 million students from immigrant households in public schools they are changing the rules to accommodate these people and you
3: think when Hillary Clinton gets in she wants to increase the first year she is president the amount of Middle Eastern refugees by 550%
0: there you go yes so so, but see America is this great melting pot right? No you know it's not what's happening here is the peas. Don't touch the mashed potatoes. Now, boy, where'd that come from? No, see, see, you've, you've got, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. I mean, you can't you, see uh, the assimilation is non-existent before you've had you had the uh, Europeans come over into this country, and sure, you've had like little Italy, little Poland, little Germany, but that and, was all white people, uh, you know. Oh yeah, of course. <laughs> but now you've got uh, you've got to have brown-skinned people, and, and so see what, you don't is understand is, what people are. Um, you know, well, you
3: just made the point about the European immigration. You know, back through the history of America, when you had Italians come over or, um, you know, Scottish people come over, Ireland, uh, people from Ireland come over, they all faced, you know, different forms of discrimination. Of course they did. And even though they were white like their fellow, you know, European ancestors, they were, they differentiated, you know, between nations, uh, from, from Italy to Ireland to, British to, I mean, each group went yes. through their own, um, you know, issues. Yes. But, you know, now people, as you just said, the way that they're trying to reclassify, uh, race, you know, it's, uh, it's, uh, no longer, you know, you can't be Italian American or, uh, an Irish American. You're just a white American. Um, and well, now they're, they're continuing to, I mean, they're going back to before the civil rights movement and what the civil rights movement accomplished with segregation from, and we've seen stories about, uh, separate housing for universities, uh, based on, uh, racial lines. And you talk about, you know, this new world order of inclusiveness that they're, they're growing and, you know, the Black Lives Matter movement, um, you know, the, the racial tensions and problems that we see in this country are created directly from so many of the democratic policies. And, you know, you go back in history, and I guess it, it's, it has some importance, but the, when you look at the parties, the two parties, Republican versus Democrats, uh, historically, the Democrats were the ones behind the, the KKK. They were the ones that owned and wanted to keep slaves, and people hit on these points all the time. And it wasn't, uh, not the Republicans, and, I don't know when the Republicans became the labeled racist um by nature mm-hmm. but it's never been like that historically so we well, you know
0: I, I the narrative history's been changed and yeah, the narrative of history something made me think of this um the, the Trump specifically I just want to throw this out there in um t- today's great American hotel owner they're more likely to be named Patel, P-A-T-E-L. Have you noticed this, folks? It's not Trump. No, 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 it's Patel. It, 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 because what what we've seen in this country is this mass influx of, of Indians uh, from the Indian state of Gujarat, into this country. Immigrants from India, almost all with times, to, uh, ties to that particular province have become a dominant force in the U.S. hotel industry. This was by design. The reason I bring this up is because of this, um, well, we're talking about race, we're talking about immigration, we're talking about a number of different things, but it's, um, it, it's interesting how we can trace back the immigration roots And how people play certain roles. Folks, we'll be right back with our guest, Mike Spaulding, right after this. That's right, folks. You're in the right place. You are in the right place. That's the Hagman and Hagman Report coming to you live. HagmanReport.com is our website, Hagman and Hagman.com That's our show website. That's right. You're in the right spot. Don't worry about the vice presidential debates. Uh, they start at 9 Eastern time. We certainly uh, will be commenting on those later. Uh, we're not going to break away for that. Now, Stan Dale's got much more important things to say during that hour. Before we bring on our guest folks, have you done this yet? Have you gone to greeninvasive.com? That's greeninvative, or I'm sorry, greeninvasive.com. Have you done that? You can go to hagmanreport.com if you are uh, spelling challenged, perhaps, like I am. Or uh, whatever, go to HagmanReport.com and click on Green Evade. there, you'll find the new Super G Mag Power Cell with replaceable G Mag Power Packs and SuperWorks. It, it contains everything you needed to provide personal power essentials whenever or wherever needed. What this is, folks, it is a way to recharge rechargeable batteries using salt water only. Uh, I'm going to tell you, this is something I I I had to see to believe. We had to use it and use it again we had to test it before we endorsed it and I endorse this product I really do I've never I, I mean I'm fascinated uh, you know you might say well you failed science class but, but you know what I've never seen a product work like this congrats to the owner and to to the uh uh producer the, the man behind and the men and women behind this great product the gmag power pucks it's the ultimate in portable power it's a must have for your emergency kit your bug out bag and, and for a host of off grid activities folks the super works package contains the new super g mag power cell with replaceable gmag power pucks as well as six one thousand uh and four um well they're they're Rechargeable batteries. I'm not going to get into the 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 uh, uh, the numbers here. They're rechargeable batteries. You've got a you've got a, a handful of rechargeable batteries, power pucks, and a USB charger pack that operates uh, these devices. I'm gonna I'll, I'll say this too. You can also charge up your cell phone. You don't need sunlight. You don't need a hand crank. You don't need wind. You don't need you don't even need an outlet. Yes. No. All you need is a little bit of salt water. It is the new Super GMAG Power Cell. Go to GreenEvative.com. Green, ev- green ev- I'm sorry, GreenEvative.com. GreenEvative.com. If I say it enough times, you'll remember it. GreenEvative.com. Or go to HagmanReport.com or HagmanAndHagman.com. Click on GreenEvative. You won't be sorry. This is a great product. I love this product. I really do. Joe does as well. And we've used it, and it works green com. our guest coming up right now is yeah. dr mike spaulding folks go to mike i'm sorry dr mike spaulding.com that's d-r-m-i-k-e spaulding s-p-a-u-l-d-i-n-g.com dr mike spaulding.com he is well, he was ordained in the ministry back in 1998 he's started two calvary chapel churches one in uh, st mary's and the other in uh, lima ohio And that's where he currently serves as pastor. He holds a BA in organizational management, a master's degree in theological studies, and a PhD in apologetics. That's right, doctor of apologetics. Hmm. A PhD, no less. He's the author of numerous articles including Leadership and Organizational Vision, Servant Leadership, the Ministry of Teaching, a Brief Look at Romans 13. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Dr. Spalding got it. Paging Dr. Spalding. Paging do- Romans thirteen. Let's look at it. Joe, he's a he's a great guy. He really is, and I'm proud yeah, to have
3: him. Chance right. to talk with him today, and uh, uh, we had a, a, a great talk. And uh, Mr. Spalding, it's great to have you on the Hagman and Hagman Report. This is your first time on, and we want to welcome you to the show and, and thank you for coming on.
1: Joe and Doug, it's my pleasure and honor to be on with you tonight. Thank you for the invitation. Well, it's it's great to have it. You. you know, Doctor
0: Spalding, um, new to your new, maybe not new to our audience, but new to uh, the venue of the Hagman Hagman Report. Um, just tell us, you, you, tell us a little bit about yourself, uh, because I, I think you're you're a fascinating guy. I, I really do. If folks go to Doctor Spalding or Doctor com to read about him, but Give us kind of a, a sketch about who you are. Cause I, sure. It's cool.
1: Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm a husband uh, married to uh, my beautiful wife, Kathy, for over 33 years. Uh, we have four grown daughters now, uh, five grandchildren. Um, and I'm a tent-making pastor, Doug and Joe. And I think most <laughs> of your listeners know what that means. Uh, but for those that don't, a tent-making pastor simply means that I uh, hold down a full-time job through which I support uh, my family, and uh, and and I'm able to pastor that way, and and I really appreciate that. Um, pastor a small church, Calvary Chapel of Lima, in in Lima, we're a small city about forty thousand folks. And, but I also host uh, Soaring Eagle Radio, and um, that program, Doug and Joe, really started uh, as a result of me wanting to push down information into the local uh, church that they're not getting uh, from their pastors, from their teachers and ministry leaders. Uh, There was a a huge gap, and I'm going to touch on this uh, hopefully uh, during our conversation tonight. There's a huge gap in the information. Uh, People in the pews are, quite frankly, confused about what's going on in our nation today, and so I I took that as a mandate to start this program. I interview a lot of different people, different backgrounds, uh, of course, because my training and education is in apologetics, uh, I interview a lot of folks like that, Todd Friel, Frank uh, Turek, uh, Jay Warner Wallace, Sean McDowell, Nancy Piercy, uh, Catherine Austin Fitz, folks like that, but but I also proper. get off. The <laughs> yeah, well, that helps people to understand what kind of stuff I'm I'm interested in and want exactly. to get in their hands. And um, but coming up on on the program just this month, October is a is a packed month for me. I'll have Greg Jackson on. Uh, next Monday, uh, Coach Dave is going to be on. John Robertson's on. Doug Woodward's on. Jim Mars is coming on uh, later this month. So, uh, radio dot org is is the radio show. Um, the Transforming Word is my uh, teaching ministry Uh, that's available as a podcast and that's uh, uh, the transforming word dot com is my blog so I I maintain three different platforms and and push out uh, teaching and information uh, uh, through those and and I would like to mention too Doug and Joe and I know that you're familiar with with this effort but uh, here very soon hopefully before the end of the year uh, I'll be involved in a, a new ministry launch uh, that we have uh, entitled On the Objective. And there is a website available for that now, ontheobjective.org. And that's uh, myself, uh, Stephen Minking, Sergeant Tim, and uh, John Robertson. And, and, I, and I'll mention one other thing. If people want to connect with me, we do have a YouTube channel. Uh, you can uh, search for that, Calvary Chapel of Lyme, Ohio. And that's got all the uh, video. The sermons out there that you can that you can download or watch online.
0: You're you're the the reason I find you interesting or the reason I said you are interesting and and I let me just clarify this. We we get emails from people, "Hey, do you know of a church anywhere that 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 teaches what we um espouse?" Or that's any pastors, any ministers out there, any people you know that um actually stand in the pulpit and and teach what we want to get more of yeah i'm not sure i think i just slaughtered that but 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 you know you are that guy you're that guy that stands up there and says this is how things are um mm-hmm. to hell with pc i'm you know excuse my language well no i mean that's biblical to hell with pc um uh, this is what the Bible teaches. This is how we should be living as Christians. This is how we should be acting. This is what we should be doing. Um, am I wrong in that, or is that kind of... I don't want to be too simplistic, but
1: I want to be. I mean, I'm a, no, kind actually, of a simple guy, you know. Well, you, you, I appreciate that compliment, Doug, and, and because I've been called a lot worse, uh, <laughs> that uh, that <laughs> yeah, that pretty yeah. much sums it up um We call it 's a, a chapel of Lima a no spin zone um, it's it 's a no p c zone uh, don 't bring that silliness in here uh, we 're going to uh, teach the scriptures and teach them for what they say. I borrowed a phrase from a friend a long time ago um, and and I told him I was going to steal it from him, and he said, use it all you want to and and it is this: it is not my job as a shepherd, as a pastor. To protect you from your Bible, and what that means is, uh, so many believers today want the word uh, sugar coated. They they want it in digestible uh, morsels. They don't want to be uh, conflicted. They they don't want to experience any kind of um, Cognitive dissonance is a good word. They don't want to have to think through the the implications of what the Bible has to say, and then match their life up with that. Uh, they, they want to get the warm fuzzies when they leave, and uh, if you start talking real stuff from the Scriptures, you are going to upset some folks. You just can't avoid that. But the folks that uh, come to Calvary Chapel Lima, they want that. They're they're what I call uh... part of the remnant and uh... the remnant want the word of god and they want it undistilled just give it to me straight and uh... and and they realize their responsibility then to obey the lord as he leads them by the power and the indwelling of the holy spirit and we don't shy away either doug and joe from uh... teaching doctrinal things um... doctrine is good it uh... In fact, doctrine divides the sheep from the goats. Uh, It's the goats that don't want to hear about doctrine. Uh, It's the goats that are always complaining about uh, doctrinal teaching. Uh, But it's doctrine that sets the course for the direction that we need to go uh, as a fellowship. And so we, we teach the Bible book by book, chapter by chapter. Chapter verse by verse, and that way you avoid any hobby horses that uh, shepherds and pastors like to camp out on. And you can't avoid those tough, tough passages of Scripture that make people uncomfortable. And so you you cover mm-hmm. the the entire counsel of God's Word, and and uh, people want that today, Doug. They're they're looking yeah. for that. In fact, I I was going to share some experiences. Um, Uh, This week, as uh, as a way of introducing uh, myself and the things that uh, the Lord had laid on my heart to share with your your audience tonight, if that's okay. Please do.
0: We we are all looking for that direction. We're looking for that. uh, uh, What we try to be here at the Hagman and Hagman Report is kind of a hub where we can um, direct people to their various needs and their desires their wants in terms of wanting more information and you provide such great uh information and and do a great service so go go ahead um continue go where go where you're being led here with that particular in, in that in that area go ahead sir
1: Okay. Well, I'll give a uh, a, a brief disclaimer that probably makes some people uncomfortable. And normally, my response to that is good, uh, because if, uh, if you center in my teaching long enough, you're going to get your toes stepped on. But don't be mad at me. Uh, that would be the Holy Spirit in you uh, speaking to you uh, about those things. And I'm going to steal one of your lines, Joe. I heard you, or uh, Doug, I heard you mention this earlier, and that was uh, saddle for battle. I'm going. To, I just want to let you know I'm going to steal that. I, I thought that was a great one, but anyway, <laughs> go ahead. <laughs> and I'll and, and I'll give you proper attribution for that. Um, uh, no worries. But anyway, I, I've had a very interesting week. Um, this past week, leading up to uh, our conversation tonight, uh, on Monday uh, I interviewed uh, an author on Sorting Radio who wrote a book that uh, detailed the connection between. Hitler and uh, the Third Reich and the Darwinian evolutionary worldview. Uh, and we discussed a, a, a number of very clear examples of the, the Nazi infatuation with with creating a master race through eugenics and genetic manipulation. But one of the points that uh, that we also touched on was the widespread silence among the churches of Germany. Um, now there were some exceptions, of course, but. Overall, the the Christians in in Germany kept relatively quiet. Now that changed to a degree once uh, some of the German people found out what was really going on, and and, and they did create a rat line, an underground uh, rescue network that did uh, save some Jewish lives. Uh, so we so we talked about that, um, and and then on Friday of of last week, I officiated a wedding. Now. That's not news for a pastor, of course, but the reason I bring it up is because the couple that i married they they are not saved, and uh they provided me a a ceremony that they wanted me to follow now, just for your listeners' information because I know there are there are pastors and ministry leaders that listen to uh to your program um Uh, I will marry two believers I'll marry two unbelievers but I will not marry a believer and an unbeliever Uh, in my understanding of the scriptures that would be unequally yoked and uh, so I don't draw back from marrying unbelievers but the the reason I bring this up is because the ceremony that they uh, gave to me uh, when I went through it there wasn't one mention of God in the entire ceremony now that made me pause because i've never seen that before and listen i've been a senior pastor for nearly 20 years uh, on staff at uh, other churches for 10 almost 15 years prior to that so i've done a lot of weddings over the years but this was the first one that i've ever done that that uh, didn't mention god and, and the first thing i thought was well it doesn't mention god why would they even want a pastor? I mean, why reach out to a pastor, one who represents God, to officiate this ceremony where you're not even recognizing God? Well, I, of course, uh, revised that ceremony and put put scripture references in and and other things to remind them that this uh, covenant relationship that they're entering into was created by God now then this past Saturday morning uh, I had a 90-minute conversation uh, with a young man uh, over breakfast, and we were talking about the um, millennial generation, and that's uh, especially uh, interesting topic for me because my my research and and all the statistics that I've seen uh, indicate that the millennial uh, generation, that age group, they are dropping out of church uh, in unprecedented. Numbers, they're becoming uh, a large percentage of what the uh, researchers call the duns. They're just done with church. and so I took this opportunity to talk to this to this young man because he is in that generation. And I ask him what exactly is going on with with his age group and and he's done some traveling and uh, in fact uh, he he's involved in a project that i I hope to assist him in. Uh, he's doing a documentary uh, traveling around to different churches, filming and talking to people uh, about the church and what they're teaching and why they're teaching it and why they're not teaching other things. So, um, so that was very interesting to me. So, but I asked him, I said, well, why, are, why, are, uh, why is your generation dropping out? And he said, well, quite frankly, we're, we're angry at the church. We're angry. And, I, and, and so I asked him, I said, oh, angry, why are you angry? And, and this is what he said. He said, because millennials believe that they've been lied to by the church about the Christian faith. And so as I I dug deeper and pressed him, well, you know, give me some examples, tell me about this. He said, growing up and into their young adult years, when they would have questions, serious questions, when they would have doubts about things, and and they would go to their church leaders, all they would get is uh, cute Bible stories and and answers to their questions that didn't amount to much more than, well, You just have to have faith. And i got to tell you something, Doug and Joe. Those kinds of responses to the the questions of life, those are just about useless. And they they do a great disservice uh, to the kingdom. Into the Christian faith. Now I understand why ministry leaders do that uh, to a degree, because they're not equipped. They're not equipped to answer those questions, and so they try to they try to just give a very flippant answer, hoping that the one asking the question will be satisfied. Well, we're paying the price for that. So that conversation was Saturday. Then on Sunday, we hosted a uh, a missionary to Latvia that our fellowship has has supported for the last uh, seven to. seven to eight years. And he shared with us uh, how rapidly the U.S. has changed. Now, he's from Indiana originally, uh, but again, he's lived in Latvia full-time for the last... uh, almost eight years. And for your listeners' information, uh, Doug and Joe, Latvia uh, borders Russia, the, the eastern border of Latvia is uh, next to Russia, uh, Estonia is, is north of Latvia, Lithuania and uh, Belarus are to the south, and, and then the uh, Baltic Sea. Uh, is the west coast of Latvia? So that geographic uh, region, and and his comments Sunday morning uh, really uh, confirmed for me. And I told him after the service, I said, "You don't know what you just spoke, but but that was God inspired." Because I've I've been teaching through Psalm uh, 74 the last two weeks and said exactly the same thing uh, to folks. And this is what this is what the missionary said. He said that the the massive deception uh, that Americans are under is breathtaking. He said uh, that the media won't report anything truthfully over here. And, you know, I've said that a hundred times. I've heard you guys say it a hundred times. So that's that's not news to us. But the news is uh, that so many people... Are deceived and they don't even realize it. And he, and he made the point that uh, in Latvia, of all places, the former Soviet-occupied territory, that the news is much more unfiltered, and they hear uh, exactly what's going on uh, in the world stage. His biggest surprise, though, was in how subservient the Church in America has has become, or how how um, Callous uh, the church in America has become to depravity. And he chalked that up to pastors and, and Christians uh, quite simply being afraid to uh, offend people. And i got to tell you something. That, that hit the spot. And uh, we know that that's true. The new number one inalienable right among a large number of Americans today is the right not to be offended. How often do you hear that? We have a right Maybe not a, to be offended. Yeah, I mean, that's, yeah. that's the whole triggering and the, and the safe spaces and, and, and all of that nonsense. Um, we really do live in some very strange times, brothers. You, you know, Politi- Dr. Spaulding, uh, I just
0: want to reintroduce you to those joining us a little bit later. Our guest is Dr. Michael Spaulding, Dr. Mike Spaulding. His website for his blog now is doctor Dr. D R. That's D-R-Mike, M-I-K-E, Spaulding, S-P-A-U-L-D-I-N-G. From there, that's drmikespaulding.com. From there, you can get to, uh, sorry, dot com. But, Dr. Spaulding, uh, I, here, here's what I believe. I believe, too, just to insert and, and kind of a, to add the exclamation point to what you're saying, if we, that's Doug and Joe Hagman, the Hagman, Hagman Report, if we don't offend um, people, uh, by by our statements uh, we're not doing our job if we, and and we don't set out to de- uh, offend anyone but the truth as dr or as, um, um coach dave dumbar likes to say the truth becomes hate speech to those who hate the truth and, yes. and that's what it is i mean right here and right now um and if we don't stand for what is right, what is proper, what is moral, what is biblical, then we're not doing our job. And unfortunately, we have so many people out there not doing their jobs. And Americans, in my view anyway, have become uh, crybabies, wimps, whiners. Uh, just, it's in, just an incredible situation that we're facing. And, and yeah. I'll just close it by saying this. I don't believe America has got a problem with intolerance. We have a problem with tolerance, and that's tolerating what is unbiblical, immoral, and um, yeah. um, you know ungodly. So, so go ahead, uh, Doctor Spaulding.
1: Well, when uh, yeah to to, to uh, segue right into that, um, the um, tolerance has been redefined today. Of course, it doesn't mean the same thing it did when we were kids, when we were young kids. Tolerance was uh, the right to say uh whatever you wanted to say uh, without fear of being uh, reprimanded um and uh, uh today tolerance means um the right to say only those things that are culturally acceptable and what's happened is that christianity is is rapidly becoming culturally unacceptable political correctness um You mentioned that earlier, Doug. Another word for that is cultural Marxism, and it's really become a muzzle. Freedom of speech, in my opinion, is on life support today in America, and by and large, that is the case in the church, of all places in the church, and here's what I see. The church in America is behaving pretty much like the church in Nazi Germany by refusing to stand up, stand out, and say, you know what, enough's enough. We're not going to tolerate this anymore. But I'll tell you why so many churches won't do that. They won't speak out against the evil that has overtaken America. And this may come off as a bit harsh to some listeners, but again, I'm sharing my perspective based on my research and reading, and it's this. The reason why so many pastors won't speak out is because they don't want to risk their empires. They don't want to risk their fancy church campuses, their comfortable lifestyles. They're they're focused on building a kingdom, but I can tell you something, Doug and Joe, it's not God's kingdom. And this reveals, to me, it reveals a lack of faith and trust in God and really a denial of his word. It, uh, Dr. Michael Spaulding, hold
3: awesome. that thought. We're going to hit on this right on the other side of the break. We're coming up against the break right now, which is three minutes long. We'll be right back. Folks, you're listening right. to Dr. Michael Spaulding on this edition of the Hagman & Hagman Report. Stay with us. back, folks, to this edition of the Hagman and Hagman Report. We're talking with Dr. Mike Spalding. He's a pastor, radio show host, and author. We're going to get back to him in just a second. Two quick announcements. Uh, we want to give our condolences and our prayers out to contributing author to the Hagman Report, Catherine Craybill, who lost her father last night. And we ask that people uh, continue to keep her in their prayers and her family in their prayers. And secondly, we want to thank John Robertson for um, getting Mr. Spalding to come on our show. And he has uh, not only done this, but he has set up a few other guests to come on the show this week and in through next week. So, John, thank you so much for... It's amazing what 50 bucks will do, right? (laughs) (laughs) Thank you so much for uh, putting the work in and and getting these guests on. Uh, Right before the break, Dr. Spalding, you were talking about um, one of the main issues of why so many pastors in today's day and age are afraid of being controversial, and you were alluding to the fact that they want to keep their earthly kingdoms
1: intact. You want to pick up yep. right where you left off? Abs- absolutely. And uh, again, I I, I don't uh, try to intentionally uh, offend, but, Doug, to your earlier point, truth does offend. There's a reason why... Uh, pastors who have uh, multi-million-dollar campuses and uh, and loans and and uh, uh, large staffs and and all of these things. There's a reason why they're not going to stand up and speak the truth, and that's because if they do, people are going to leave. And what happens when people leave the church? Well they also take their checkbook, right? And you can't pay the bills if there aren't people in the pews. Now, I think that's an upside-down perspective uh, on kingdom work. And that's why I believe that's all going to crumple eventually. We're going to see that happen. Now, the the point that I'm uh, trying to drive towards, Doug and Joe, is this. It's important for Christians to view all of life through the Scriptures, the Bible. We shouldn't just give it lip service and say, well, it's the manual for living. Well, it's not the manual for living if you're not consulting it on a daily basis. It's not the manual for living, the Pastor, that you proclaim it is if you're not teaching your people uh, how to understand it, how to interpret it, and then how to live by it. Uh, it's not the manual for living if we disregard it uh, in times of prosperity or trouble. Now, I think we're at a place in our nation's history where it's pretty clear to everybody, whether they're a believer or a non-believer, the things are pretty bad. But here's one of the things that I want to encourage your listeners, and I hope that, that I can do this before we wrap up our time uh, together, uh, Doug and Joe, is to give them some things that will encourage them and, and, uh, and help them to stay the course. And uh, I'm going to cover a couple of scriptures also to to encourage them to do that. But we need to see things through the lens of scripture. I, I can't emphasize that enough. Um, we're we're in difficult straits today, in in my view, simply because we have not honored the scripture. We have not elevated the scripture. We have not encouraged people uh, to live by what the Bible has to say. The church has contracted a good many viruses, if, if we could call them that, uh, that teach people all kinds of unbiblical uh, things. Uh, the health and, and wealth, prosperity, gospel, I'm going to put that square in, in my sights tonight and name that as as probably right in the top two or three culprits. Uh, The health, wealth, prosperity gospel, and I'll get some emails about this, but that wouldn't wouldn't be the first time, um, is unbiblical heresy. It is absolutely unbiblical heresy. And I'll tell you something else. The world is correcting the church. I I just saw uh, this week an article that came out from a secular news source and uh, here's the name of the article. The article was entitled "The Five Most Dangerous Wolves Preying on Christians." It was posted on September 29, 2016. Those five, and, and I would, I would uh, encourage your listeners to go out and and find this article. The five most dangerous wolves preying on Christians. This is from a secular source, so even they see. That there's an issue, but people in the church just bury their heads and act like it's it's not going on. So we're living in very dangerous times. It requires us to really dig deep into the scriptures. I like to tell people, Doug and Joe, that we're living in prophetic times. We're seeing many of the Bible's prophecies come to pass. It's certainly exciting times. Now, is it bad? Are the, are the times bad? Yes, they are. Should we be panicking? Absolutely not. Here's the dilemma: evil has become so arrogant that it doesn't care if you see what it's doing or not, and that has an immediate, uh, an immediate application even to today, um, with uh, with Hillary Clinton. Um, by any reasonable estimation. She is... uh, uh, (laughs) I hesitate for a moment, but I'm just going to say it, Doug and Joe. I believe that she is demonically inspired, that there is something horribly wrong with Hillary Clinton, and yet we see Christians supporting this woman. Now, that just defies explanation in in my opinion but the reason that that's going on today is that our pastors will not stand in the pulpit and tell the truth they won't stand in the pulpit and talk about prophecy for sure and uh, there's several passages of scripture that again I hope to share before our time's up um, but they won't talk about prophecy at all in fact there are a lot of prominent pastors out there Some even in my my particular uh, denomination, although Calvary Chapel says they're not, they pretty much act like they are, so call it what it is. Um, But there are pastors out there, prominent pastors, that says uh, we should not be studying prophecy. Now, here's my question for all those pastors that... That say we shouldn't be studying prophecy. Forget that and 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 worry about. And really, what it amounts to, just throw the scriptures out and just worry about uh, a, show, a social gospel. That's what's going on. But, but my question to those pastors that that denigrate prophecy is is primarily this: How do you explain world events without the Bible? How do you look at what's going on without the filter of of the scriptures? Erroneously. How do you explain yeah that's right erroneously that's exactly right you offer solutions that are no solutions at all um, how do you explain the Christian martyrs in the Middle East if not through the lens of scripture how do you explain the rise of the evil that is Islam if you don't use the scriptures how, how do you explain the rising anti-Semitism globally if you don't use the scriptures? And we could talk about the global financial crises. How do you explain the U.S. government pushing sodomy and gun control at the same time, sexual deviancy and taking away our freedoms at the same time? And so I ask pastors, what do you tell your sheep, those people that God has entrusted to your care, when they seek godly counsel on what to make, of the present evil that's that's engulfed America. I mean, what exactly are pastors and ministry leaders doing today? Because I'll tell you, Doug and Joe, we have, at this time in our nation, perhaps the most ill-informed population that we've ever seen in America. They're, they're, Christians are basically ignorant about history, about economics, about politics. I mean, how else do you explain two terms of Obama if they're not ignorant about politics, geopolitics? They're ignorant about spiritual warfare that we're in today. They're ignorant about the Bible. But they can tell you all about the, the most popular contemporary Christian music and artists. They can tell you about their favorite TV shows, their, their favorite sports teams. They, they can tell you about the, their favorite restaurants. That breaks my heart. Here's what's happened to a large percentage of the church. It's become a captured operation, and that's been very intentional. The Bible warns Christians about wolves and false prophets in numerous places, but there's a category of people that many churches overlook to their own destruction, and I'd like to share a passage of Scripture, if I can, guys, from uh, the book of Acts, chapter 20. Would that be all right? Absolutely. Acts chapter 20, um, starting at about verse 7. And this, of course, is uh, Paul's third missionary journey. He's uh, traveling through Asia Minor, and he's working his way to to Ephesus. And uh, so starting at verse 7, on the first day of the week when we were gathered together to break bread, Paul began talking to them, intending to leave the next day. And he prolonged his message until midnight. There were many lamps in the upper room where we were gathered together, and there was a young man named Eutychus sitting. By the way, I, that's very humorous uh, to me, not not that he fell out of the window, but uh, Luke names him Eutychus, which means fortunate. The name Eutychus means fortunate. So we see that he is fortunate. He was sitting on a windowsill. Sinking into a deep sleep, and as Paul kept on talking, he was overcome by sleep and fell down from the third floor and was picked up dead. But Paul went down and fell upon him, and after embracing him, he said, Do not be troubled, for his life is in him. When he had gone back up and had broken the bread and eaten, he talked with them a long while until daybreak and then left. They took away the boy alive and were greatly comforted. But we, going ahead to the ship, set sail for Assos, intending from there to take Paul on board. For so he had arranged it, intending himself to go by land. And when he met us at Asasso we took him on board and came to Miletus. Sailing from there, we arrived the following day opposite Chios, and the next day we crossed over to Samos, and the day following we came to Miletus. And here's the point. For Paul had decided to sail past Ephesus so that he would not have to spend time in Asia, for he was hurrying to be in Jerusalem, if possible, on the day of Pentecost. From Miletus he sent to Ephesus and called to him the elders of the church. And when they had come to him, he said to them, You yourselves know, from the first day that I set foot in Asia, how I was with you the whole time, serving the Lord with all humility and with tears and with trials, which came upon me through the plots of the Jews. How I did not shrink from declaring to you anything that was profitable and teaching you publicly and from house to house, solemnly testifying to both Jews and Greeks of repentance. Toward God and faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. And now, behold, bound in spirit, I am on my way to Jerusalem, not knowing what will happen to me there, except that the Holy Spirit solemnly testifies to me in every city, saying that bonds and afflictions await me. But I do not consider my life of any account as dear to myself, so that I may finish my course in the ministry which I received from the Lord Jesus to testify solemnly of the gospel of the grace of God. And now behold, I know that all of you among whom I went about preaching the kingdom will see my face no more. Now, that's an important turning point. Paul is saying, I'm not coming back this way and I'm likely going to lose my life uh, when I arrive. So what he has to say from this point forward is very important. Therefore, verse 26, I testify to you this day that I am innocent of the blood of all men. For I do not shrink from declaring to you the whole purpose of God. Be on guard for yourselves and for all the flock, among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers, to shepherd the church of God, which he purchased with his own blood. I know that after my departure, savage wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. And from among your own selves, men will arise, Speaking perverse things to draw away the disciples after them. Therefore, be on the alert, remembering that night and day for a period of three years I did not cease to admonish each one of you with tears. Now, here's my point. I read all of that for a reason. Paul says in verse 26 therefore I testify to you this day that I am innocent of the blood of all men what does that mean exactly why is he saying he's innocent of the blood of all men well because he preached to them the full counsel of God that's verse 27 I didn't shrink from declaring to you the whole purpose of God And notice in verse 28 being a shepherd Doug and Joe is a calling it's not a career He says, Be on guard for yourselves and for all the flock among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. There are too many pastors in too many pulpits that have made a career choice, and it's damaging to the sheep. Notice verse 29. He's talking here about God-haters. God-haters are going to infiltrate the church, and he says that they come from the outside. Savage wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. Now, I call them God-haters. Most people would call them false prophets, but I call them God-haters for this reason. Because if they claim to represent God, but are really representing Lucifer, and they don't know the difference, then the Holy Spirit's not in them. And they're God-haters, not false prophets. Now, in verse 30, we're introduced to the false prophets. And from among your own. So from within the body, among your own, men will arise speaking perverse things. And notice why they do that. They speak perverse things to draw away the disciples after them. We've got a great number of pastors and church leaders that they're all about making disciples. But it isn't disciples unto the Lord Jesus. It's disciples unto themselves. Now, the net effect of all of this, Doug and Joe, the wolves from without and the the false prophets from within, is that a significant number of Christians have been reprogrammed to behave as consumers and as social do-gooders, if you will. They've been programmed to look at the church and see what can it give to them instead of what can I do to in the kingdom among this body. And I see that stuff all the time. Uh, visitors come with a what's-in-it-for-me kind of attitude. Uh, they're grading your sermon. They're grading your worship style, how many and what kind of programs you offer for their children and, and for their teenagers. And if you grade high enough on their scorecard, then maybe they'll, they'll hang around. But I have to tell you, that smacks of f- the fleshly and carnal attitude uh, of of mankind. It stinks and it's rotten. Some Christians should, treat... Should, I mean,
0: doesn't this appeal to, or isn't this the mechanism by which the elect will be deceived, and this is the basis for the clergy response team? I don't want to get too far out of you know off the beaten path here, but when we look no, at the... That's exactly. The bigger picture here is um, the the criminalization of of jesus christ in the christian religion as as odd as that sounds but, but but the push toward this one world religion via the clergy response teams who are uh, who have hijacked christianity hijacked the bible and molded it into something that's not i just just thinking out loud here
1: no that's exactly uh, the point um Doug, and that I'm, and we're running out of time for this episode. So uh, there's a lot more that we can cover, but that's exactly the direction that I'm going with this. Is that the church uh, has been a captured operation? This is how uh, you know the Bible talks about apostasy and it talks about the remnant church. We look out uh, in the world today, and there's a huge organizational structure called the church, but most of it. Is an apostasy. There is a remnant that the Lord is encouraging and equipping and providing for to persevere through these times. Now, how do we know the difference between the two? Let me let me just cut to the quick. Um, how can we tell the difference between the two? Well, in the in in the apostate organization that still calls itself uh, the church. The Holy Spirit has left. The Holy Spirit is not there now. I'll give your listeners some passages of Scripture, and they can look these up on their own. Second Timothy three one through five, for example. Um, Paul is talking about uh, the end times church, so they can look that up. But we see it daily in in the newspapers, um, and really, it's almost uh, it's almost hard to be shocked anymore. Um, but we see. New revelations of of pastors or denominations that come out in favor of abortion, that come out in favor of um, sodomite unions. Uh, Mm -hmm. I refuse to call those marriages because they are not. God describes, defines instituted marriage, and it is not between a man and a man and a woman and a woman. They come out against or, or in favor of transgenderism. They, they support the ordination of, of men and women uh, who are living homosexual lifestyles. Um, they come out in favor of social justice. It, it breaks my heart to see the number of pastors in churches that are supporting Black Lives Matter. Doug, Joe, they cannot possibly know the background and what Black Lives Matter and any other social justice group uh, like that is all about. Uh, The plain truth is that Black Lives Matter was founded by three Marxist lesbians as a way to attack white privilege. That's exactly what Black Lives Matter is, and we've got a president sitting in, in the White House that is aiding and abetting this kind of behavior um, and, and really, it's 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 deceiving not just the, the black population, but it's pulling in churches by the dozen, and it, and, it, and it just breaks my heart. We shouldn't be shocked by this, but it is disheartening sometimes to see this. But we're told about this in the scriptures and uh, uh, passages of scripture. I can direct your listeners to Matthew chapter thirteen. Uh, verses twenty four through thirty talks about the tares and, mm-hmm. and by Terrible the way when the scriptures, the tares. yes that 's right and and when it talks about the tares uh in the scriptures, those are false converts those are false converts sitting in our churches you know, if you can if you can imagine that um we have uh, Matthew chapter 7, where where Jesus says that uh, the false converts look a lot like sheep, but they're not. And that's the passage that talks about uh, on the day of judgment, they'll come to him and say, but Lord, didn't we do all these things in your name? And he'll say, depart from me, ye workers of iniquity, I never knew you. So there's all kinds of prophecies about what the church is going to look like uh, in the last days. Now... The point that I'm making, I'm trying to drive at, and, and again, um, I'm not going to get there uh, tonight. And, th- and by the way, that's not uncommon. Uh, my, my teaching style is, is uh, expository, and uh, if you ever talk to anybody from our fellowship, they'll tell you uh, it, it's, it's, a, it's a good Sunday if I can get through three verses uh, in a chapter because there's so much there. But um, let me give you some things that we need to do uh, as as a body of believers uh, in these last days because I don't want to run out of time doing this. Uh, one of the okay. things that, that we need to do as, as believers is that we have to uh, recapture our culture from the demonic, and and that includes especially our children. Have you noticed the rise in occultism uh, coming out of Hollywood, coming through books, uh, coming through pagan religions these days? Have you noticed that? Uh,
3: Especially Hollywood, yes, and the Wiccan religion is one of the fastest growing religions in the country. We see see the rise of Satanism, and the overall occult symbolism And, you know, the Illuminati symbolism from the halftime events, Super Bowls and and Olympics and whatnot, those are more prevalent today than they've ever been. Than they've ever been.
1: When was the last time that you heard a pastor preaching a sermon about all this demonic, occultic activity and pointing these things out? The reason why pastors should teach about that, by the way, is so that they're... Uh, their congregants, the sheep that they've been placed in charge of shepherding, will be able to speak that to their neighbors and to their friends and to their family and to their co-workers. That's the reason why pastors should start talking about these things. We have to mm-hmm. continue to, to to speak the truth uh, to evil. Um, the, the lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgendered, queer issues, politics, Identity, all of these things are pressing in hard against the church, and they 're not going to go away guys the, the The game plan is to completely handcuff and silence the church and a good many uh, Christians are going along with this and it doesn 't help of course that we 've got a renegade Supreme Court that really has become nothing more than the social engineering tool of the uh, of the elite um, in my opinion. Um, I think we need to alert and, and educate Americans about this widespread deception. Uh, we know that the scripture says that in the end days, there's going to be a, a massive deception, uh, so so massive and convincing, in fact, that if it were possible, even the elect would be deceived. Now, we know it isn't, but that is a descriptor of just how bad it's going to be, and I, I think we're there i i think the deception uh is 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 so widespread and so uh, uh deep that it's pulling the pastors that should know better uh, right into its uh into its wing um, christian Christian ideology, leftist Christian ideology. Um, I don't know if you're familiar with um, Jim Wallace and Sojourners and and some of these uh, type uh, so-called ministry leaders, but they're leading people away from the Bible and from the Scriptures, and they're leading them into a social gospel, a sort of a feel-good gospel. If you just do stuff to make you feel good, then then you're okay. I gotta tell you that does Dr. not
3: spaulding uh, yes. I don't mean to interrupt you but we're gonna have to have you come back on um on another show because we have, that, have ran out of time already and I know you're just really getting started into uh you know the meat of your message.
1: Yes. Yeah I'd be happy to do that.
3: Well thank you sir and, and God bless you thank you for your time. Uh again folks this is Dr. Mike Spalding. His website, uh, this, you can go to Mike, uh, Dr. is his, uh, transforming, uh, the transformingword.com and soaringeagleradio.com are all his websites. Thank you so much, Mr. Spaulding. We'll talk with you and have you back on sooner than later.
1: Thank you very much, Doug and Joe. Appreciate it.
3: Have a great night. Folks, we'll be right back with Stan Dale right after this.
0: This is the Hagman and Hagman Report. HagmanReport.com. That's HagmanReport.com. HagmanandHagman.com. HagmanReport.com, of course, for news information, analysis, the meat of the program. Show prep and Hagman and Hagman.com would be our go-to site for all of our broadcast venues. Boy, we have, we've got the best guests. I, we really do, including the infamous standale coming right up standale.com is his website and um my goodness just a tremendous tremendous platform of guests and we've got the best listening audience as well uh, I, I remarked uh to my neighbor um uh, who uh, i've become really good friends with and, and i said you know what really makes a difference of of this show to me is our listeners the listeners of our program are intelligent uh intelligent we we have gotten many cards letters um into into our our office with such great information and of course we get emails and uh notes and what have you it's 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 just phenomenal to see the the level of intellect uh intellect uh, and, and, and and spirituality of our listeners before we get to Stan Dale, folks you know it was, it was my neighbor who actually turned me onto this particular, uh, website. It's Wink. Actually, it's, uh, TryWink.com. T-R-Y-W-I-N-C.com. You know, we're all about, right now the Hagman household is all about having, uh, fellowship time together, especially over, over meals and we have wine with our dinners and I used to be very intimidated walking into the, Wine, walking, trying to pick out a wine for dinner. I just never got it right, folks. If you like a good wine but can't even spell, sommelier. Okay, now I I think I might have mispronounced that. It's actually a wine connoisseur, sommelier, sommelier. Yeah, say it with me, right? I, I, regardless, if you don't know wine, well, wink. That's W-I-N-C. Takes all of the stress out of wine shopping. Try Wink, W-I-N-C. The new way to get all of the best wines perfectly matched to your palate. Here's how it works. You go to trywink.com. In fact, you go to hagmanreport.com and click on the the link. It actually takes you to trywink.com slash hagman. But you answer six questions so they get a sense of your likes and dislikes. They offer palate recommendations, and and you see how their recommendations perfectly fit your palate. Just sit back and relax, and they quickly deliver wine straight to your door. There's no commitment. You join for free. You can skip months. It's, it's on a month to month basis. You can cancel anytime. But every month, you get the unique, delicious wine delivered to your door without the hassle. And there's a 100% satisfaction guarantee. You never pay for a bottle you don't like. And you can try them out risk free. And you don't have to pay for shipping ever again. Once you order, or order four or more bottles, they'll waive the fee. It's really a great program. And it's, it's something that uh, that as we look at the headlines, and, and most of our listeners know, you know, we go through all of these headlines, and oftentimes at the expense of our families. So, so we we sit down, we have dinner, we talk about things, and we'll, we'll en- enjoy a great wine, and and we like good wine uh, with our dinner. So so try this out. A wink. It's spelled W Y N C. They work directly with the winemakers and growers from all over the world to create delicious wine, deliver right to your door. They've got a hundred percent satisfaction guarantee. So if you don't like a bottle that they send you, they'll replace it with a bottle that you love, no questions asked. And folks, we don't get—we just don't get sent random bottles. Wink is personalized wine membership that recommends wine specifically for for me, for us, based on the results of our palate profile quiz. And I also rate all of the wine I receive from Wink so they learn about me with every order and they constantly personalize the wine that they send. Sign up for Wink right now and gain immediate insider access to the best fine wine from all over the world. Find out for yourself why me, yours truly, and thousands of other satisfied wine lovers are raving about Wink. Folks, here's the best part. Wink is offering you, our listeners, $20 off right now when you go to trywink.com slash Hagman. That is T-R-Y, trywink, W-I-N-C, .com slash Hagman. They'll even cover the sh- cost of shipping. Think about that. You'll get fine wine personalized to your palate, delivered right to your door. Try Wink and get $20 off. Complimentary shipping right now when you go to trywink.com slash hagman. That is try, W-I-N-C dot com slash hagman. Or go to hagmanreport.com. Click on the link and, and begin enjoying wine uh, with your dinner, enjoying wine. Right, right now. What a great offer. What a great company. And, and this is something that, uh, again, I was inter- introduced to this by my neighbor and he, uh, he said, man, you gotta, you should get them as, as a sponsor. And my goodness, uh, I said, hey, love to have you as a sponsor. And, and in fact, they jumped right on. So it's, it's really a great program. We like it. And, uh, and, and you can even ask Joe. We're, we're beginning the, we, we have dinners and, and, and with, with wine, uh, on a weekly basis. And, and it's, uh, it really it, it brings the family together. It really does, and we enjoy that. But another thing that we enjoy, another person we enjoy, is Stan Dale. Every Tuesday with Stan, standale dot com, and his wife's book, "Prophetic Perils." Have you picked that up lately, Joe? Have you have you no, Have I you seen how close the headlines are? My goodness, "Prophetic Perils" from, with Holly Dale from Holly Dale. Um, it's, uh, man she must have a crystal ball I don't know but the uh, the parallels from prophetic perils to the headlines of today just an amazing thought just an amazing
3: just amazing well with that we have Stan Deo. folks bookmark his website standeo.com you can go there for the latest news uh, and information as well as updates on Stan's radio appearances as well as uh, Holly's radio appearances their books and uh the show images page is what what we use here on the Hagman and Hagman report when Stan comes on and he wants to show us something that he's researching or or getting getting into. Stan, it's great to have you back on the show. Uh another week and here we are. Well,
2: good to be back and glad to hear you're back and well, Joe. That sounds good.
3: Yeah, thank you. I, I did miss you last week. I had a a, a rough flu and uh the
0: whole family really got it, and uh, we, we were wearing <laughs> biohazard suits. And I gotta tell you, I don't know what uh, that what bad, the deal eh? Was. Yeah, yeah. I was about to, I was about ready to send them over to your place.
2: <laughs> We've heard from our friends down in, in Australia. They've had the the flu going around down there too. So different time of year for them, but still, uh, they're getting it. And mm. it, it's coming back. It keeps coming back. Apparently, Holly said she just got off the phone before we went to air. Weird stuff. No. Really weird. <laughs>
0: Well, I told them to get a flu shot dog on it. No, I'm, just, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Uh
2: anyway. Yeah, I'm of two minds about it myself this year. I don't know. know, because they only cover certain types of flu and right. one in a hundred thousand of us kinda of get the flu anyway, so I don't know. It's it's up to the individual I guess about that. But say, uh, do you see uh uh the uh the front of uh Coast to Coast AM uh Kim you know, our earthquake chem girl just sent me an email just before we went to air saying so you better have a look at this, uh the video on the front of uh Coast to Coast and i have to admit it's a rather interesting uh video. Uh, I don't have a link to it, but if you go to uh Coast to Coast AM, you know, to their website and look at the picture uh on front of the uh the 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 page there, you will see um a chemtrail. And uh, the chemtrail is in a nice blue sky, or was blue before the chemtrail, I guess. But anyway, there's this round, bright, very bright white, spherical-looking thing. I mean, it could be a disc, but it's spherical-looking in, in the video. It's only about three minutes for the video, but it shows you that this thing appears in the middle of the, uh, the chemtrail, and suddenly the chemtrail chem starts dissolving around it. And it cuts a hole and disappears the link, you know, between this half of the chemtrail and the other half. Now, I've been taking the pictures in and analyzing them here. Um, and Kim, I, I still haven't come up with a uh, an idea yet, except to say that whatever it is, is certainly, um, a- affecting the particulates around it in a circular or spherical fashion. I've taken it into Photoshop and done, you know, various, um, bands of, uh, of color, like, um, Contrast to see what the, the field looked like, and I did see an interesting thing in that in the very beginning as it started to dissolve the chemtrail, that it made two spheres or circles of influence. It looked like there was um, one very close around the craft itself, the object itself, and then uh, a circle of smoke ring, you know, from the chemtrail, and then partially clearing, you know, around the next. A ring before it got to the outer ring of the the uh, effect on the chemtrail. Now, eventually, as you can see in the video, it just just dissolves the chemtrail. And she says, "Well, what is it?" And if you you know if you look at the chemtrail, this darn thing just does its bit and then fades out and is gone. Um, if it were a normal aircraft or something like that with a, a you know an air pattern around it, a flow you would expect to see the chemtrail splattered around this way or that way or scooted into a tight vortex or something, you know, or uh, kicked in a direction, but it didn't. And uh, as you can see in the in the video, it, uh, you know, it starts out with just uh, a small little speck uh, that appears underneath the chemtrail and moves right up into it, you know, as though it were intelligently controlled. And once it's parked in the middle of it. It does its deed. And then, uh, you know, after it's, it's broken the chemtrail, it kind of diminishes into a tiny dot and is gone. So what the heck, you know, is it or was it? I, I have no idea, chem, but it does behave like something that either uh, absorbs or collects the chemtrail around it and, I don't know, packs it in a box or whatever, but it just disappears it. Or it reacts with the particulates and causes them to, say, maybe heat up and then no longer form these ice crystals around whatever's in the, the chemtrail. And that's my best explanation, Kim, so I'll have to to leave it there. But um it it is interesting, isn't it? Have you guys had a chance to look at it yet over there?
3: Um yeah, it it's uh something that is uh definitely uh odd. Uh and don't know what to make of it. I mean
2: uh, Yeah. Same here.
0: It, yeah, I mean what looking at that, knowing what you know, what would cause that? Um,
2: well it's something that as I said, is either putting out a large amount of heat in a, a spherical pattern around it uh well and it could be that as well as being a craft. But because it moved into the um the chemtrail it shows that, in my opinion, that it had it was under intelligent control, whether it was a craft or a hotspot created by something, you know, either from orbit or from the ground. But there don't seem to yeah, be any lead trails good. to it. As I say, I analyzed uh, the high end of the contrast, the low end, the mid-ranges, and I couldn't see anything other than that object itself was creating right. um, mm, some field effect that... Yes. Took a bite out of it. That,
0: that's what I was looking for. Field effect. That's that's a great yeah. description. And because what this what you see
3: here is just you know a chemtrail. We'll say about at twenty minutes after a plane lays one out, um, maybe ten twenty minutes, and that white energy ball seems to either uh, discolor the sky and clouds around it, or it is consuming or changing uh, the the molecular structure in the sky or the ions in the sky.
2: Yes, just of the chemtrail, because if you look oh, probably about a minute into the video they've got there, you'll see that there's a very subtle cloud formation at a higher altitude in the background, moving from the upper left of the frame to the lower right. Very faint, uh, kind of, you know, lighter blue in the sky, and that shows a cloud back there. And that cloud didn't get affected by it. So this object... Did affect only the chemtrail, and that's just weird. Uh, as I say, I can't see any other uh, uh, effects in the field effect uh, that would indicate um, you know anything other than, than an object doing that. And as I say, I've I've run you know contrast uh, tests and various other things you can do in Photoshop to to look at imagery, and I just can't see. Anything other than the first thing I told you about early in the, in the piece there, as it appeared, there appeared to be two rings or spheres, shells of effect that caused the the chemtrail particles to disappear or to become so small that your light passed through them and you can't see them anymore. Uh, it definitely, I mean, look, it could have been like a gravitational field around a, a, an electrogravity crash. That sucked the stuff in, but if that were the case, you would expect there to be streamers coming from both ends of the, the chemtrail toward the object, and I don't see that. It's just like a cookie cutter thing went in there and, and cut it in half. I, you know, anyway, I guess that'll have to be in the mystery bucket for a while. Um, I did see toward the end of the video, you know, about a uh, minute and a half in, uh, that some kind of a, of an aircraft that is jet propelled, leaving a proper uh, contrail, not a chemtrail. It's heading up toward the uh, the chemtrail that's been cut in half, and I don't know whether that was a craft sent by you know the Air Force or somebody to investigate it or what. But it, it's too big of a coincidence, in my opinion, to say that that's an unrelated event when it's heading straight for the chemtrail right after this thing takes a bite out of it be great to have something like that on a big scale, of course, to clear the skies of all the pollution, you know, and smoke yeah. and things like that.
3: Yeah, absolutely. Um,
2: hey, we can do that around here.
3: To, yeah, I mean, that's definitely something that um, I'm going to continue to watch, and when I get home, I'm going to plug it into my TV and blow it up and see if I can't get any clear resolution about what's going on there. Um, but that's a pretty cool video, Stan.
2: Yeah, it might be uh, the beginning of um, something where they, they can't deny it, and officially we will have, you know, disclosure. Who knows?
0: In well, they, need to, they,
3: they would need to admit they were uh, chemtrails first.
2: Yeah. Oh, yeah. dear,
3: that's
0: true. <laughs> <laughs> you, you know, and, and I laugh. I, Stan, I, I laugh really because I, I was the, and I tell people this, I, I was the most uh, hard-headed individual, although that's just, from air, aircraft i mean my goodness i, I denied I, I was a chemtrail denier you know and, and uh and until i i until i began to understand what what luminaries intellectual luminaries like yourself and i mean that sincerely that's not false but um i've been telling people and others as well about chemtrail about chemtrails um yeah i mean we're being sprayed obviously it, I'm gonna shut up now. We we don't. Everyone knows that. Uh, but uh, anyway, you've got a lot of show images. Go go to standale dot com, folks, and click on the show images for today. My goodness. <laughs>
2: Before we get off of the chemtrail, Trail, I, I just wanted to share with you again. It's been several months since I mentioned this, and it just kind of been passing. But you know, you were saying that you were drug to the party, kicking and screaming, but you finally said, okay, they're chemtrails. I did dig up some pictures over Germany when the Allied bombers were dropping bombs on you know, either Berlin or Dresden or somewhere in there. And it, it was a black and white photo, but taken from the ground, it showed chemtrails, as it, it would appear, because the contrails weren't disappearing. So I started looking into it, and there are certain... Atmospheric conditions at certain altitudes that will cause a a normal contrail to expand and to glom onto particulates in the air. In this case, it was smoke from bombs and things like that, and the aircraft shots and that kind of stuff. And it will leave this long chemtrail, uh, quote unquote chemtrail, back in World War II. But it wasn't very common. It was just over this bombing area which then you come back to the chemtrails here and you say, well, okay, what atmospheric condition all over the United States and, uh, you know, Australia and various other places is causing uh, World War II-type conditions to allow contrails to, to hang around and become what we call chemtrails? And I I can't think of anything. So, you know, in spite of the, of the appearance of something like a chemtrail back in World War II, what we're seeing now is a new event and I've tried to figure out: well, is it altitude that they're now putting commercial aircraft to, or military aircraft to, that the conditions in that particular band of the atmosphere produce these things? And I just can't come up with a yes answer. So, you know, hmm. I'm still saying these are not, uh, you know, natural things and, and not normal contrails where condensing right. water vapor. Anyway, exactly.
0: Okay. And thank you for that. Th- okay. The back thanks for showing question page. Right.
2: Yes. Um. The um thing of interest here, uh, they asked me about this last Friday over on Coast to Coast, about the the little swarm of earthquakes, or the the big swarm of earthquakes, in the Salton Sea, and if you look at, um, on my Show Images page, let's say, image number six, I think that will probably be the, the first one to start with, if you look at that, image six shows The earthquakes that USGS has recorded and and audited, these are correct, they're not, you know, accidents of the equipment. Uh, It shows the last six months of earthquakes of any value in Southern California all the way up to, you know, Washington. It's kind of the West Coast look. Hmm. And if you look at this image, um, you'll see...
0: The obvious uh, for for those people who are thinking what I'm about to ask. So what happens when those two lines, fault lines, join? Then what?
2: Well, I guess it depends on how um, severe the earthquake is when they do join, but they will join and they will share distributed pressures that are building up on both fault lines. Now, if they converge, you know, come together, and you get a really sharp earthquake, like a a short period but very strong earthquake, that could send a ripple in both directions, down into Mexico and up into California along the San Andreas Fault. In that event, those other gray areas of clustered earthquakes that I showed you in um, picture six and picture eight, well, even in picture nine, those areas could also be encouraged to release their seismic uh, pressures because of the shockwave traveling up and down the San Andreas, and there are Um, parallel fault lines to the San Andreas as you get closer into the occupied areas, you know, above San Diego and and between San Diego and Los Angeles. Those can all convert.
3: Hold that thought. We're up against our break. We'll be right back. Folks, you're listening to Standeo on this edition of the Hagman and Hagman Report. Stay with us for our final segment. During the break, my dad and I—mostly my dad—was reminiscing about a great old pizza shop that was in
0: Queens. Actually, still is in Queens, but just just hankering for a slice. From you talk Queens.
3: about us uh, getting up at five in the morning and uh, you know working eight, ten hours and dealing with New York City traffic, going to get that pizza, uh, Joey's yeah. Pizza, before you.
0: Go back to the hotel room for, you know, the rest of your Hey, if anyone's listening off, to this in man. Queens, uh, stop at Joey's. Send a, send a margarita pizza to, to the studio, okay? Can you do that? Uh, and send Stan and Holly one, too. <laughs> yeah, we
3: are talking with Stan Dale from standale.com uh, in our second segment of this final hour. And we were talking about the, uh, right before the break, uh, we were going over the earthquake. And you can go to the show images uh Site from Stan's website sandeo.com. On the lower right-hand side is a microphone. Next to that is a show images page. And you're talking about the uh, the fault line, the San Andreas fault here, and and the images of the earthquakes over the last six months, and how these two fault lines are merging. And um, the, there has been we even talked about this in the first hour the reports. Of the uh increased um likelihood of an earthquake along these fault lines, so much so that the santa uh was it santa barbara police not the santa barbara San Bernardino city hall had shut their uh building down as uh people from the u s g s were saying that there is a an increased risk of an earthquake so much so that it's uh, they sent you know Said it could be up to 7.0 on the Richter scale, and they sent out alerts. Did
0: you have anything to do with that, Stan? Did you? Seriously? Did you? (laughs) I'm just.
2: (laughs) (laughs) No, but I tell you what, it it uh, it has to make people that are reading the news sit up and take notice when USGS puts out a formal warning of uh, at least a Richter seven. They don't do that unless you know they have to.
3: Yeah, it definitely left me with my head scratching and. in the article that i read and i don't know how accurate this is they said it could it might have only been an increased uh, possibility of uh, 1% more of having an earthquake at that time that led to the uh, warning being uh, released which a 1% increase doesn't seem like much i guess but when you're talking about you know the big one uh, in california i guess you know who am i to judge that
2: you know um it is going to happen we We know that, and when they give statistics for such and such will happen within the next hundred years, here's a likelihood. Do not forget that that likelihood can be today, tomorrow, or a hundred years from now. You know when they give you that range, it's somewhere within that range, starting today and going forward to the end of that range. And when they gave us a what it was a four or five day warning here on a Richter Seven possibility in Southern California. Okay, it ends today, October 4th. So as you approach the far end of that window, the likelihood kind of decreases. So anywhere, when they give you that, anywhere in that range, however many days or months it is or years, understand that that means from instantly to the end of the window they give you, somewhere in between there, and as you get closer to the end of the window, the likelihood drops, you know, the percentage of occurrence drops, usually. Um, You know, it's another good reason for people, especially along the West Coast, to start stocking what they need for food, medicine, um, transport, communications, all that kind of stuff that's in Holly's book, the Dare to Prepare book, because of the imminent danger that is there. You don't know when it's going to happen. You can't run. Look over in Florida right now. Holly warned about this on on our front page with the news that she's doing. And she's look out, you know, four or five days ago. Matthew, the hurricane Matthew is moving up through and you know the Jamaican up through Cuba, and it will hit you know the west coast. So you probably should get prepared. Well, already you see news articles where they're rushing the food stores and and gasoline stores, you know, shops in 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 Florida. Oh, we got to get prepared. And that's when, of course, the the smart uh, grocers will be putting things like, I don't know, uh, broccoli sprouts in cans or something on the shelves, because anything that's got food on it, whatever it is, will be swept off the shelves and bought instantly, you know, by panic buying. That's where you get rid of your crummy stock, you know. But anyway, that's a joke. (laughs) Um, (laughs) You know, you still need to prepare. and. Uh, year after year, when the hurricane season starts over there, you see people doing this rush when it gets close, when all they have to do is what thousands, tens of thousands of people have already done with Holly's book and and similar books, is to get the information of what you need to put in stock to prepare yourself for various things that could happen during a hurricane, hurricane or earthquake strike in your region. And there are other things. I mean, she has like gosh, a zillion type of other conditions that could occur uh, that you need to prepare for if that happens in your area on a regular basis. Um, Anyway, I I digress, but it just astounds me to watch people wait till the last minute and rush. Uh, you're the
0: we store. said that in the first hour. Yeah. We said that in the first hour. And, and you know what, what blows my mind even more is, are those people, uh, Stan, and I don't mean to take time away from you or digress, but those people who discourage preparing or, or, or accusing those who encourage preparations as being fear Mongers. I just don't understand that mentality. I really don't. And it's going to cause people to get killed unnecessarily or hurt unnecessarily. And that's just me.
2: You know, I, it reminds me kind of um, a little bit of, a, of, a, of an allied thought or occurrence that happened to me uh, when I was with the film crew. We were taking doing a documentary over in Yugoslavia, and we were in uh, let's see, was it Zagreb. We were in Zagreb, fixing to leave the country. We'd finished our filming. And we got to the airport with all of our gear, and you have to in the airport there you have to wait outside the ticketing gate or the the, the gate to get on the plane, and uh, it's inside. And so we waited there while you know um, Russian soldiers, I believe they were in you know military uh, uniforms and and automatic machine guns, you know, patrolled up and down and looking at us and checking us all over. And we got there gosh, two hours early to be sure you know that we were there on time. We started noticing over the next two hours. That people started drifting in, some with lunch bags, sitting down or eating their breakfast, and wandering around, leaning up against the wall next to us and down the hallway. And these were the locals; they knew what was going to happen when they opened the shutters, the steel shutters, uh, pulled it up so you could get into the gate through the you know ticketing people there. Suddenly, there was a rush of everyone there. I mean, like yeah, maybe 100 to 200 people. <laughs> all glommed onto that thing and pushed and shoved, and whoever was at the front of the push and shove got served. There was no such thing as a line or orderly, you know, purchase of tickets or showing of tickets, and the the, the rush to the food stores and, you know, the commodity stores in in Florida and places like that reminds me of the same kind of nonsense where there's no order, there's no pre-planning, it's rush and get what you can, and... That's uh, we watched it firsthand. The crew and I did, and it was just astounding to watch this lack of control and how people could get hurt. And something that in a a much larger scenario, like we're talking about, anyway, it it does happen over where they don't have organization and manners like we've got here in America. (laughs) Hey, yeah. Um, on uh, images 10 and 11 on the show images page, I put up something because it, this is part of Hurricane uh, Matthew, just as it went through Jamaica, and it formed a tornado over the water, which is called a waterspout. And I yeah, was we, so we have seen those
3: up here. Uh, I, so, I've yeah. seen waterspouts up here in late, uh, over Lake Erie. Um, you know, in the last ten years, I've probably seen you know a half dozen at least uh, from different thunderstorms and whatnot. But you know, they're always. No, no. No, this
0: is different. Though.
2: Well, it's only because of the the conditions allowing you to use the backlighting whatever to see through the funnel that forms. But notice a couple things about this. The the uh the funnel is fairly uniform in diameter going all the way up to the cloud and all the way down to the sea. But as you get closer to the sea, uh, the image gets fuzzy, you know, the distinction between that little line up the middle of the funnel cloud uh and the surrounding, uh, you know, cell or, or tube, it kind of mushes into a gray area, it kind of loses its uh, distinct characters. And the, the reason for this, I explain this in my uh, ebook, uh, which I've had up there for years, it's a paper, short paper, on how tornadoes and water spouts work, what causes them, what actually occurs. And this was such a beautiful picture taken, it's a video actually taken from the video they took, of this water spout off Jamaica because it shows the, the elements of a tornado, but it's over water. You see that central core, most people would think that's the vacuum sucking the water up, that little dark line going up the middle of the funnel. But then you say, if that's the vacuum, what's that bigger outer core doing? You know, is it a vacuum as well? And if you look at image 11 right next to it, you'll see that I have drawn, I've taken an image out of my paper on this, I'm showing you that pink core in my drawing is the same thing as that dark line in the middle of this water spout off Jamaica there. And that pink core is showing that you have a warmer uh, airflow coming down from the cloud in that little... Um, cylinder, that little center portion of the, the water spout, that is allowing air from the cloud to go straight down from the cloud down to the seabed in this case, or to the earth in the case of a tornado. So what happens when that hits the ground? Well, it hits the ground with an impact that splashes out, but then instead of just you know blowing out into the uh, air and the ground around it, or the sea in this case, it swirls back up the outside of the the, uh, airflow coming down from the cloud, and it forms this spiraling, slower-moving bunch of moist air, in this case, up toward the cloud. So you have two motions. You have the central core coming down from the cloud to the sea. You have the returning uh, water and air mixed from the sea coming up around the outside, spiraling around instead of coming straight down. Now, in the paper that I do on this, I explain that these voltages are so high in these clouds that it's the voltage that causes the little particles of water and air to rush down from the cloud, bounce off of the earth or the water, in this case, spin back up to exchange electrical charges. It's an electrical phenomenon, and this means that the vacuum that forms in a tornado cloud or a water spout is not up the center. It's on the outside. This is why when you look at things like um, the Wizard of Oz where, you know, the the tornado that sucks up Dorothy's house has sticks stuck in the side and hanging out, parts of the barn and stuff hanging out. They aren't sucked up the middle and like a vacuum cleaner. They are caught in a vacuum wall that outer wall that you see in this picture of the Jamaican water spout and it's a very thin vacuum but it's the the high speed air in there is forming um, uh, like a suction plate or a cylinder around the main um Water spout, which is of course shooting charged air down from the cloud. Anyway, as I say, I discussed this. It it led to my discovery of some really incredible things about electricity, uh, redefining the direct currents and electricity and how they work. I won't bore you with that here on the show, but that that was an interesting find. Uh, and, and I always like these little pictures when they come up of tornadoes or water spouts that show the two tube phenomenon. Because in any electrical exchange, whether it be like a tornado water spout or in a a copper wire from a battery, there are two movements in that wire or conductor. There's one coming from one pole to the other and the return around the outside of it. And you'll find that in car batteries and wires hooked across them, all kinds of stuff. It twists. And I discuss in this paper how uh, I talk to uh, welders. Particular, I used uh, the illustration of some of a welder friend's uh, shop. They were electric welding metal hulls of ships, and for people that have used electric welders like that, you'll know that when you hold the piece in your hand that you know is going to connect electrically to the material you're going to melt into the, the seam you're trying to join, that it will spin sometimes at around 12,000 times a minute, 12,000 RPM, it will spin the molten end of the rod that you're touching to the uh, the plate you're welding, and it will leave a circular pattern as you go down the weld. And even if you're not a welder, if you look at anything you've got that's got metal welding on it, you will see this circular pattern going down the weld because, you know, that's what the path it leaves. But the reason it does is that it's spinning, Half of the, the motion of the electric current is on the outside, spinning one way, and in the very core, there's another smaller one, spinning the opposite direction. Anyway, these things are important to understanding the nature of electricity and eventually to where I'm leading the nature of gravity, which is linked to the same kind of effect. And when when welders in these machine shops pull the trigger on these electric welders to, to make the current flow, and it connects with the stock that they're melting. You will see on the the floor of the workshop the the big, thick, you know, maybe three-quarter-inch cables running back to the transformers. You'll see them flip. I mean, when I say flip, they'll go like that and hit the floor with a loud noise because they are twisting. It's a twisting moment, same as a tornado. Except the the outer part of that wire is the outer part of like a tornado, and it twists the the uh, the wire connecting the handpiece to the transformer so violently that it'll kick up dust to make a loud noise as it flips that uh, that current carrying wire onto the you know to the dirty floor. Anyway, that's that's enough on electricity. Wow. But I'm telling you, this is all discussed. I, I I discuss it and even put the formulas for you to understand. It, electricity is no longer a mystery when you look at it this way as mechanical things. I hope this kind of resonates with a lot of your audience because there's got to be welders and people that have experienced this out there that have wondered why it happened. This is why.
0: Very interesting. Th- thank you for that explanation, um, man. I, yeah, I, I want to, yeah, I want to get into get deeper into this. Um, all right, you, you said you wrote a paper on this, correct?
2: Yeah, it's called the Gemstone Paper Gem One. If you click on the the text underneath that uh, drawing I made, uh, it'll right. take you to the website where you can read a bit about it. And you can get a copy if you want. Um, you can just get it online and download it to your computer. It's All worth right. doing. Thank it you. really is because it explains yeah. so many mysteries.
0: Thank you, sir. All right, beautiful. Hmm.
2: Now, you know I'm working on my next book, the uh, about the Garden of Eden and about Atlantis and the flood and that kind of stuff, right?
0: Yes. Yes, and okay. folks uh, uh, Buckle up <laughs> Go ahead <sir.
2: laughs> It's going to be interesting But I'm doing it in a manner That's very readable And I'm, you know Changing some of the ways I discuss things In the first time I wrote a paper on Eden And uh, Atlantis uh, I tried to be very technically correct uh, So the university, physicist, whatever Would uh, say, oh yeah, okay Well I see this documentation But I, I realized that blinding people with all this jargon that you would find in a PhD dissertation is not going to get the job done. I want people to understand and be able to work with what I've found without, you know, worrying about footnotes and this and that to, to a large degree. I will have some footnotes, but in the main, I want it to be simple, straightforward, like we were sitting in the living room talking like we are now. And I realized that the only thing that separates uh, believing what I'm I'm uh, discussing uh, in the discoveries in this book from the scientific community so that they couldn't believe it is dating and time. So at the very front of the book I have a little, you know, just a dissertation, a very short one saying, look, uh, in the scientific method, the true scientific method, let us investigate what I'm going to tell you if you're a scientist. Don't dismiss this arbitrarily. Play along with the scientific method and, and adopt the fundamental things that I put at the basis of my whole discussion here, things like, okay, the Earth has changed its diameter without changing its mass. You know, it's expanded. And uh, what was originally the Earth is kind of blown up a bit and left some cavities inside. Let us assume that, I say. And then I say, let us assume that the passage of time, It's not been constant, which, you know, you and I have discussed on the show many times. And so I lay out a number of these factors, which is what you do in a scientific argument, and say, let us make these basic assumptions and pretend that this is the way it was, scientists. And if that is so, then the following things happen or are discovered or fall into place. And that's where I relate the, the... the findings of a young earth and a, and a garden of Eden and Atlantis that occurred in the last maybe only six to 12,000 years total, you know, uh, and they've, if they do the proper scientific method and, and follow along with this, they'll say, well, gosh, what he's saying, what he's discovered in all these places would make sense if these fundamentals are correct. I wonder if they are correct, and of course, in the discussion, I will point to some of the things that they can relate to as far as, you know, a modified general relativity theory and, uh, you know, some of Hawking's work and that kind of stuff, but that's just for them, and it'll only be a few paragraphs, so that you are not blinded with science. To that end, to that end, or adding to that, uh, image number 12, um, they're they have just sure. discovered up in Montana. Did you see that? This
3: looks interesting. Yeah. When I read it, I had to read it again to make sure I read it correctly. Um,
2: they have found soft bone tissues in a, a, a large horn of a triceratops, you know, a, a 48 inch or a 4 foot long horn from a triceratops. And they probed down into this. This physicist, uh, this, well, he was a lecturer in biology department at California State University at Northridge. He discovered that there were soft bone cells in there. These are the kind of cells that are not petrified. And if it's been in there for, I don't know, a million, two million years, like normal science says, these things should be solid stone and replaced by calcification-type elements. No, they're soft. You know, they're not living, but they're soft bone tissues from this animal, which means it's, at most, a few thousand years old. Now, he put this forward. Uh, his name is Mark Armitage, and there's been a, you know, he, he's uh, expert, you know, in the field, and he was uh, dismissed from the university, said for budget cuts, and he knew this was rubbish, because it, you know, it disputed the Young Earth Theory, so he took an attorney, and they went to court, and they won an out of court settlement with the university, surprisingly, because <laughs> they didn't want to go to court uh, before a jury and have it proven, so they said, right, okay, we knew about this already, but uh, just, you know, Don't publish our settlement. We'll settle with you. And this tells us right there in black and white legally that there is an argument that should be addressed by the scientific community that we are not millions of years old. We are thousands of years old. This is the young earth theory that's leaping out of the press at you. Amazing, isn't it? It's
3: exciting. And and we've seen uh, reports of... You know, dinosaur bones being found with with tissue still on it. I think that's something that we've talked about here with you. Uh yep. Stan yep. and fossilized records with pieces of hair and, and other um, you know, uh, biological material that is um would be impossible if they if the fossils were as
0: old as scientists and, and
3: others claim that they are.
0: Uh, well, this Darwinian Inquisition, as as a reference in this article, is it's interesting because of the one statement we will not tolerate your religion in this department or your creationist projects either. You know, yeah, come on, man.
2: Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Look, we're looking at Jurassic Park here. I mean, these are soft brown uh, cells mm-hmm. that, that they could possibly extract dna out of and put it apart that survives into like frog uh, dna or whatever and form a hybrid uh cell that would eventually give uh, rise to creating a triceratops from you know those dna parts there uh and and you know the the fictional jurassic park movie could well become fact if mankind uh, survives that long a few other things that might prevent that but
0: Anyway, that would make some interest. that that would make for an interesting afternoon look out your window and see a T-Rex coming down the <laughs> down the road
2: well, you remember that scene in the first uh, Jurassic, well in Jurassic Park the, the first one where the the, um, the geologist uh, you know that has been out there digging bones up for his class has now flown over to the Jurassic Park and they're riding their jeep out there and suddenly he he just nearly loses, you know, strength in his legs and falls to his, his knees, looking at you, absolutely awestruck by watching a brontosaurus herd walk right past him, you know, like, holy cow. I think it was probably more animated than that, but you know what I mean.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
2: It would be amazing. <laughs> and, you know, there's so much proof, like in Glen Rose, Texas, places they found evidence of humans and dinosaurs coexisting, and you cannot... Get over all the little stone carvings and stuff in South America that have shown, um, triceratops, they've shown bronosaurs, they've shown, uh, you know, uh, sea dinosaurs as well, um, as children's toys and also, uh, in carvings of children playing with them uh, and humans as well, you know, adults walking with them. These things could not have been done on the basis of, of those people, um, you know digging up bones and saying this is what a triceratops looked like they actually had to see the living dinosaur with the skin and tissue on it to to do that sure and that's you know wow. that's another underscore that we are in a young earth young universe situation just like God said
0: amen to that and you know I just want to say thank you too for pointing this stuff out because um I mean this forms the basis of our well, this is a component of, of our belief system and uh, no, alright, thank you
2: hmm. alright, well I like to share those things, that's kind of what the Lord's called me to do I think, is he's given me this access to these discoveries and ideas to share with people who believe the Bible and but would like to be able to share positive proof with those who have not yet come to that conclusion it's just such an encouraging right. thing in these difficult times
3: absolutely I want to thank you for your gift of time again this week Stan we've made it to the end of the hour
0: man that went fast mm. it really did yeah
3: and just a, guess, a quick yeah. question before you go do you have any other uh, important uh, or upcoming interviews that you want to promote
2: no um, and uh, I'll talk to you guys about this in an email later but i'm going to have to uh, miss next week's show um i will be out of town but um i do apologize but i'm telling you a week in advance
0: well thank you for letting us know we're going to miss you um but we can't wait to hear what uh what the <laughs> real indiana jones is up to and oh, we won't tell anyone either uh sam i gotta ask when is your book coming out do you think we Can you? uh, We we've gotten about five or six emails just since you mentioned your book, your new book.
2: You know, um, it's a function of uh, how much free time I can get to um, from other tasks that I need to do to finish writing it. A lot of it's been outlined, and I'm doing it section by section. So my best answer to that is probably maybe end. January, February, I will to have it finished, and then it's off to the printer, which is probably another four weeks before I get it back. But, I'll okay. keep, uh, Holly, uh, apprised of the date and everything. She'll put it up on the website, and the progress report as awesome. it is. Um yeah. as I say, there's a lot of stuff I, I have gathered that I use for the, uh, Vindicator Scrolls Volume 1, that I can adapt, uh, to Volume 2, which is what this is going to be called, the Vindicator Scrolls Volume 2. And you can, uh, Understand, I think a lot easier what I'm talking about with all the graphics and stuff I'll be able to put in this book. I'll very let good. You know.
0: All right, sir. Well, God bless you and Holly. Thank you so very much for your gift of time tonight. And uh, until a week or two weeks from tonight, stay safe. God bless you, sir. Thank you. Night-night now. All right. Folks, that was Stan Dale from StanDale.com. A great, a great man, a great, uh, friend of this show, uh, him and Holly. Folks, if you, if you haven't picked up, uh, uh, Holly's book, "There to Repair and Prophetic Perils, do so, as well as, uh, Stan's book. And, uh, my goodness, his research is just unequaled among one other thing too, if you haven't read "Revising Reality" by Anthony Batch and, and uh, others, the the forward that Stan wrote is mind blowing. I I printed the forward out just because I had to read it and reread it. Wow, wow. Anyway, uh, I just want to say we want to say thank you, thank you to our sponsors, folks. Try wink. That is WINC, trywink.com slash Hagman, HelloFresh, of course, dot com, Green uh, fantastic company, Minuteman Stove, American Survival Wholesale, HealthMasters.com, oh, so many others. Just thank you for supporting our show, folks. Thank you for supporting our broadcast or our sponsors as well as our broadcast. God bless each and every one of you. Have a great night.